Hello, NoosaCast listeners. On today's NoosaCast, we'll be talking lacrosse uh, with Chris Green from Nina Lacrosse, Danny Rafalski, head coach of Appleton United, and we'll be ending the episodes with the throwback Syracuse legend and Hall of Famer Casey Paul. I looked over and I was like, you guys making your kids play all your weekend? They're like, yeah. And I was like, me too. <laughs> me too. <laughs> Let's just keep it fair. Joe, just blow the whistle. Just just blow the whistle. I, I just I don't care what it's for. Call it on us. Just stop this. It has to stop. Welcome to the NoosaCast. What is a NoosaCast? It's where we bring local folk stories to life through conversation. Welcome to episode three. It's amazing. We've got two in the books now. Uh, last week, we had a great episode on curling. Uh, week one was the awesome hockey episode with uh, CJ Ike as well. And, um, you know, you can go back and listen to those anytime you want on Spotify and iTunes as well. But this week, we're talking lacrosse. And this is a... It goes to my heart a little bit because my son has just totally immersed himself in it in the last two years. And it's just such the fastest a, game on grass, Tosh. Fastest game on grass. It is. It's amazing. It's, uh, you know, I, I was a baseball player. And I'll be honest, if lacrosse was as popular as it is now, I don't know if I would have played Can baseball. Can I let you in on a little secret? If, if you're a baseball fan, cover your ears, okay? The best kids, if you're recruiting for lacrosse, get the baseball kids. Just think <laughs> back in the days when you're playing right field, whatever, you're just sitting there looking at the sky, yeah. doing whatever. Come play lacrosse. You're constantly running. There's constant movement. It's a <laughs> wonderful game. The flow is, is a lot like hockey. The it's... movement's a lot like basketball. Uh, there, there's there's the, the contact of hockey and football. There's delayed yeah. flags, you know, similar to the mechanics of a football flag. It's, uh, yep. oh, it's a great sport. I think all you have to do is get a stick in a kid's hand and they're going to be hooked. Mm -hmm. So yeah, this is a great episode. Uh, we have, you know, two amazing interviews with uh, Chris Green and Danny Rafalski. I mean, you're going to listen to these guys and you're going to be excited about lacrosse by just hearing what they have to say. And then the amazing throwback with Casey Powell. So um, there's a lot of cool stuff, but that's all coming up. We had a great weekend, Joe. We did. Uh, we got to see Digstown yes. at Fox River House. Oh, loved that it. That was an amazing show. Uh, it was a quick show, but they sounded incredible. Uh, just just a, a great band to listen to. Um, played several of the songs that we feature. They closed with the I Want to Know, as well. right? They closed with I yep. Want to Know. That's, that's the title song. Love that. You went to Paperfest as well, right? I did. I, I, I went solo to Paperfest. I, I had to check out them Coolie Boys. I really like those guys. They've they've been to Milo Music um, a couple of years, I believe. I don't think they're coming this year, but they played Jones Park earlier this spring. So they get to this area. They're, they're an Eau Claire band. Those guys are just dynamic. I mean, they're great, great musicians, first off. Uh, their, their harmonies are incredible. Their, their picking is just as good as picking can get and their music is just it makes you want to dance really and people were dancing last night so i had yeah, yeah. i had to go check them out i um checked out them coolie boys it was it was good stuff yeah. and I, 
They are amazing. You know, and I've got to I've got to applaud because we know what it's like putting on a Red Smith banquet. And there's, you know, maybe a thousand people that go to that banquet. I cannot believe how many people were at Paper Fest last night. It it, did several, several thousand. They had three stages going. The Bodines and then this other stage easily had a couple of thousand people at at each one of those. The the Cooley Boys had a few hundred for sure at, at, at their show. It was incredible. What's also incredible about Paperfest is the fact that it's free for the community. Yeah. And what a great way to bring the community together. I mean, you're not just talking Kimberly. You're talking Kimberly. You're talking people from Appleton, people from Little Shoot, from all over the Fox Valley. Um, it's, it's those little community types of events that, uh, you know, that's what makes summer in Wisconsin. And, uh, you know, like you said, Bodines, Milwaukee's own Bodines. You had the Cooley Boys from Eau Claire. You had the Glam Band from the Fox Valley. Uh, just just an incredible incredible family event. Absolutely. And, and that that seems to be the recipe in, in this area. Mile of Music does it. Uh, Paper Fest does it. A lot of the other festivals do it. But free music. Uh, and that's a right. recipe for success. And, and we, you know, pe- people are stepping up. And, and there's some great festivals around here. Absolutely. Hey, Tash, should we uh, take a second from the show and talk about one of our sponsors? Absolutely. That's a great idea. And we've got a terrific sponsor, Tash. They've been with us for a long time, and, and they do something that's that's really special that we're proud of, and I know they're proud of. And they're one of the sponsors of the high school scholarships each year that we, we give to high school athletes. And you sit actually on that that committee that, that chooses the high school athletes. And without J.J. Keller, it's, it's, it's not possible to, to honor and, and help help these athletes. Yeah. You know, the scholarship committee is really thankful because we get to honor, um, these terrific scholar athletes, uh, in the Fox Valley from the various high schools. Uh, they allow us to give them a little money that goes towards their schooling. Uh, we're looking at, you know, the cream of the crop, you know, kids who are working hard in school, getting good grades, participating and being letter winners in multiple sports. And even talking about, you know, players of the year for the state at the state level. So we've had a great opportunity working with J.J. Keller. And, you know, J.J. Keller not only um, does the scholarships, but they're also a huge supporter of the community and even sponsoring a dog sled team for the Adinerad, which is incredible as well. Going back real quickly to the scholarship winners, one of the things that blows my mind every single time most of these kids that receive these scholarships, their grade point average is 4.0 or above. I didn't even know that was yeah, possible. Absolutely. Yeah, they, they triple my uh, grade point average in high school. But Bob Euchre <laughs> used to say, I'm in the half to make the top half possible. <laughs> there you go. Well, Tosh, we're excited to have J.J. Keller as a sponsor with the Red Smith Banquet and to be able to give scholarships out to the kids. Uh, they've always backed everything that we've done, Red Smith. They're, they're backers of, of the Noosa cast. And we follow the same mission where we just want to give a little bit back to the community and, and make it a place that we all enjoy to live. Big shout out and a big thanks to J.J. Keller. Particularly, thank you, Mr. Keller. All right. It's time for everybody's favorite segment, the FNF. Forgetting and forgotten. If you don't know what that re- that means, uh, forgetting is something we don't want to forget. 
and forgotten is uh, something that we definitely want to forget. So, so my forget that I, I just absolutely want to forget, unfortunately, it's never going to happen because it's in my walls, is uh, the smell of hockey and lacrosse equipment in my basement. Oh, it, it doesn't go away. It burns stays. the nose. It burns the nose. It like lingers. It's it's some nasty stuff, and especially when your kids forget to open their bag to air oh. things out. Yeah. If that sits in the car and it's slightly wet and you open that, you can literally kill a small animal. Yeah. I spread that around my house and keep rid of, get rid of critters. Oh, it's unbelievable. <laughs> and they don't care. They'll throw that stuff right on. Doesn't oh, yeah. bother them. Doesn't phase them. In fact, sometimes I think, I mean, you have two kids, obviously, I've, you know, that played, I've had a couple of kids that played soccer bags are about the same, same smell shoes in general. They don't care. They just pop their shoes off right in the house and you'd be sitting in the chair and all of a sudden like, oh my God, what's that smell? Exactly. It's their freaking cleats that are five feet from your, underneath your chair. That or the lacrosse glove or hockey glove. Oh yeah. The gloves. Gloves don't. (laughs) Yeah. Just burn them. It's the best thing you can do. My favorite is as a lacrosse official, you have to do uh, equipment stick checks during the game. A lot of times you got to run kind of in the huddle, grab a stick. There's some good smell in there. Those I always compliment the boys on the smell when I have when I have to go into one of those huddles. Nice. It's impressive. You're you're forgotten is a good one, Tash. That is definitely seared into my nose. Mine's a little more personal. It probably only applies to me, but every morning at about six twenty, I stop. I, I as I've said before, I'm, I I bike pretty much everywhere. Every morning, I I, I bike to work out. And on my way home, I bike home and I am stuck at the corner of John street and Calumet and driftwood. Now I want to rant just for like five seconds. This is a dedicated bike route. Okay. It's got the little green biking guy sign. I'm, I'm on a bike route. Is it too much to ask that when I'm trying to get onto John street off of driftwood, that the light could change, maybe not stay red for like ever. It like never, ever changes. The only time it changes is when a car pulls up next to me. So it must be weight sensitive. But if this is a dedicated bike lane, I just want a green light. Just one green light. I can pedal fast across the across the intersection. Just give me the green light. Thus, the reason I think I have on my helmet, slave to the traffic light. So I would really like to forget that stoplight, Tash. <laughs> Unfortunately, I see it every single morning. Well, you have something uh, you don't want to forget or, you know, something you're looking forward to? Well, you know, keeping up with, with our lacrosse theme, it, it's um, – I don't ever want to forget this. You know, like, like we've mentioned a hundred times, we, we, we've had kids that play, and they play youth sports, and, and this is what we're after, telling the stories of, of youth sports. And, and one of my favorite weekends every year, it's, it's the second weekend, I think, in June – but it's it's the Bay Valley Youth Lacrosse Championship weekend. It's it's all it's the youth. It's the local, uh, the high schools play in what's what's called the Bay Valley, uh, similar to the FVA for for football fans out there. Well, the youth version of that is is you know tens, twelves, fourteens, and that is always one of the best weekends. It's the whole conference gets together. Everybody has tents set up. There's, you know, I don't know four, five, six fields. It's usually held at Nina. Um, and it's just a great weekend. It's, it's a chance for the whole conference to get together. All of the kids, girls and boys, lacrosse goes on at the same time. It's, it's just, 
it's what sports are about. And, and, and I know my kids always remember it. Tosh, I know you were, you were really successful. You and your boys um, at, at the last uh, Bay Valley championship or conference uh, weekend. So I think you can attest it's, it's a lot of fun. And you guys walked out of there with a little hardware. Yeah. You know what? This is the second year in a row where the uh, 14U team from the Appleton lacrosse club won. Um, so that's fantastic. Boys played really well this year. Um, shout out to, all of their coaches and all of those young men uh, playing and who are moving up to, you know, those 14 U's who are moving up to high school next year to be part of that first WIA uh, team, which is super exciting as well. So yeah, shout out to the uh, U14 Appleton lacrosse club. Uh, they did awesome this year. Yeah. They, they, great for those boys. And, and, more than anything, too, is just a shout out to the people that organize it. I, you know, right. that really goes unsung. I, we certainly realize it from a Red Smith standpoint. A lot of this stuff is it's, it's, it's a lot of fun, but it's a lot of work. And there's only a, a small amount of people that actually do the work to to make it a successful weekend. So shout out to those people. But just shout out to the sport of lacrosse. Got to love it. And I'm glad it's here. All right, Tosh, for our first interview, Chris Green, Mr. Lacrosse. Seriously, Chris Green is, I think, solely responsible for bringing the sport of lacrosse to our area. We're going to talk a lot about it in this episode. It's a terrific sport. Both of our both of our kids, Tosh, play, play the sport. Um, we've fallen in love with it. And, and Chris is the one, as we're going to find out, Chris is really the one that that brought the sport here. Uh, he played it when when nobody else, frankly, played it. And he got the Nina program started. He got the summer program here. The Scani program started here. Um, he he brought this great sport here. And there's been plenty of other people that, that have grown it. But as you'll find out, Chris is a great guy. Just simply loves, really, to me, the most amazing thing out of this interview is the guy just gives back. He just purely loves the sport and just shares it with everybody and expects nothing back in return, but just purely sharing the sport. It's incredible. <laughs> so I've got an interesting story about that. And I think this is probably a perfect place to start. Like I had mentioned, I was at uh, at Appleton's uh, party this evening and I'm, I'm sitting at a table having dinner and your name comes up and coach green greenisms comes up and I'm like, coach oh, greenisms, yeah. huh? Interesting. So I start talking to a guy and you, you've coached his kids and I'm old. I can't remember who I was talking to, but uh, <laughs> I'm like, do you really have, he said, yeah, I've got a list of coach greenisms. I said, really? Oh my God. I said, interesting. I said, this is going to be a weird question, but terrific timing for me. Is there any way you can send me your coach greenisms? So he wow. airdropped his mm -hmm. notes and I have a list here of okay. coach greenisms that, that we could go okay. through. Okay. If you'd okay. like to, they're, they're pretty epic. I've got to say like uh, tryouts are okay. every day. Tryouts yes, are every day. Still say that. Absolutely. All the time. You're never not trying out. Yeah. Holy smokes. I like that one. Yeah, holy smokes. That's a good one. I think I've used I do it. say that often. I say that at a house at my house all the time. Yeah. <laughs> I use that. That's one of my refing go-tos too. I'll let yeah, that blur out. Smoke. Yeah. <laughs> it makes me sound so old. <laughs> 
if you're walking, you're wrong. Oh, I've said that. Yeah. Every practice. <laughs> Leave no trace. Yeah, that's right. Your mother does not work here. Right. <laughs> if you're standing, you're nuts. <laughs> if you're walking, you're wrong. If you're standing, you're nuts. Yeah. For the love of yeah. Pete, of course. For the love of Pete, yeah. whoever, you're killing me. <laughs> you're killing me. <laughs> oh, yes. Tighten the screws and get rid of it quick. <laughs> Tighten the screws. Oh my god, I used to say that all the time. Shoot yeah, angry. Remember that one. Shoot angry. Shoot That's angry. a good one. That. Yeah. Now yeah, this one, one, as an official, I that came from Co that came from Coach Caputo at Duke. Shoot angry. Nice. Yeah. Very yeah. nice. Yeah. Agreed. There's a lot to Me that. Too. As an official, I think I'm going to steal this one for you. I've got to commit this one to memory. Put your mouth guards in. They're not ornaments for your helmets. <laughs> when they're hanging off their face. Oh. Yeah, yeah, or sticking out of the top of their their, yeah. their vent in their helmet. It's like it's everybody knows you're not wearing it. Exactly. Yeah. The hardest call in lacrosse, I think, is to make that. You know who the best official is to pick that up? Roger. Roger Hornberger can. Oh God. That guy has laser yeah. focus on the mouth guards. And substitutions. Yeah, yeah he does. He's good at that as he's well. He's all over that stuff. <laughs> Roger he will work. like me wandering out on the field. He's, <laughs> he says he's going to take me out one of these days. But I don't think that's good for either of us, honestly. <laughs> If we had a if we had a Joeism uh, officiating list, I'd say uh, Roger is a two man crew. That's uh, one that I use quite often. Uh, two more here. It makes it harder on them, easier on you. So let's make it harder on them. What do you say? <laughs> what do you say? Why do I, I feel, that? That's Red Foreman from that '70s show. Why am I turning into that guy? I'm, I'm doing on the on the lacrosse sidelines. Everybody's just, everybody's just watching this, you know, transform and you know into Red Foreman. <laughs> and the final one is a lot of you guys are trying to pick up a ball like you're digging a hole. No doubt, yeah. no yeah. doubt. Great yeah. hole digging form. Oh, Espinosa had a good one. I'll forever hear him ringing through my head. Stop raking in oh, Espinosa's yeah. voice. You know what I found out this year, Joe? I, I, did you know in the girls' game, raking is illegal? No, I didn't know that. What the hell? Why is it illegal in the girls' game and not the boys' game? How about <laughs> one-handed ground balls? Can that be a three-minute non-releasable penalty? Yeah. No doubt. <laughs> no doubt. I mean, I've just about had it with the one-handed ground balls. I mean, oh, gosh. You know? Youth lacrosse would be so much better to watch if you could just scoop a ground ball. Oh, if well, if you just box out. Now the problem is they all try to scoop it, but it turns out it's like hungry, hungry hippos. They're all <laughs> right. just trying to pick it up at the same time. <laughs> so if they go in butt first, it works a lot better. Yeah. yeah. But no, let's let's play patty cake with our sticks. But you know, that's it's part of the learning process. They all do it. You know, um, I had a I had a few varsity players come over to practice. They had a, a, the night off and they came over and helped out with practice. And I told them all to, you know, say who they were, what position they played, how long they played. Right. So, you know, some of these kids on my team, they're brand new. Right. Oh, yeah. Everybody stinks when you're brand new. I don't care what sport it is. I don't care what instrument it is. I, I don't care what it is. Nobody just picks it up and goes. It, you know, it's v extremely savant and rare, if you see that, mm -hmm. <laughs> even with lacrosse. And you see these great athletes struggle with that you know and uh and, and and that's what that's what hooks them you know it's kind of like golf in that way mm -hmm. you know it's that's what kind of hooks them it's like man and, and but you're, you're playing as a team you're all learning together you know you're all uh you know making the same mistakes 
making fun of each other for the same things, you know, mostly. Right. But, uh, you know, just, but it teaches you how to be a good teammate. It's a great sport for that. And, uh, um, I've always, I've always felt that, um, you know, and I, I, I didn't start until I was oh, probably 15, about yeah. 15. It started when cable first came out. And so it must have been like 86, right? And I'm living in St. Paul, Minnesota. Cable first comes out. So you got MTV, you got HBO. This is all brand new. I mean, we had four channels, right, before that. You guys know that, right? <laughs> so cable comes along. You got ESPN. They're brand new. They got bullfighting, Australian rules, football, and <laughs> lacrosse. And they have no money. And so all of a sudden, I'm, I'm flipping through the channels one day, 15 years old, never saw lacrosse before. I saw it. And I was like, what? is that what is that yeah what is that i want to do that i mean was, was that college minute. college it lacrosse? Was, yeah, it was probably johns hopkins and um i want to say it was hopkins in north carolina the first mm -hmm. game i ever saw sure and uh um i think petra mala was playing you know uh, which is nuts right um but uh you know i i was just absolutely fascinated just glued to this and I, I i you know we had to go somewhere i'm like i'm not going anywhere i'm watching this and i could not get enough of it so anyway fast forward a you know maybe a few months later and uh my mom is going to you know shop for me for clothes in minneapolis and i could have probably thought of a thousand different things i'd rather done than do that right so i wasn't in a very good mood and we're driving to minneapolis and i look out the window and i see these guys playing lacrosse and i was like mom pull pull over pull pull the car over right now she's like no what no i said pull it over you know so we i just made her turn the car around so we're standing we're parked there and she's like what what is this what is this and i'm like I, i'm not i don't know i don't know what this is <laughs> lacrosse I, I gotta find out what this is you know it's like seeing a ufo yeah so uh so i i i get out and i'm watching and they're just some guys the college guys in the field playing a pickup game and uh so we we wait a while and my mom's like well i've got to i'm going shopping i said go dude, i'm a medium whatever <laughs> right <laughs> well, i'm staying here and back then back then you could leave your kid at the park and you know you know right. no worries i'll pick you up in 45 minutes right yeah right? and uh so yeah. i hung out and i watched these guys and they walked over and, and i and they're like you know they noticed this you know this, this kid just kind of standing there i was and um they started asking me questions and i started talking to them and I, I was a football guy at the time and uh so i was just really fascinated i just wanted to learn more and my mom pulls up later and she gets me in the car and he's they're like hey bring him out here same time next week and she's like are you serious like, who are you you know she started talking a little bit you know well, there are guys from St. Thomas College. Now it's uh, St. Thomas University, but back then it was yep. St. Thomas College. And uh, and they just, you know, they said, hey, you said, you said he wants to learn. We're going to teach him. So just bring him back here next week. We'll teach him. And <laughs> and uh, my mom's like, okay, great. You know, well, free my schedule, mom. Every Saturday <laughs> I'm going to be at, you know, whatever, Lake Harriet or whatever it was. So anyway, I, I show up there the next week. They have all the gear for me. They have a uniform oh, for nice. me. They have a helmet. They have everything wow. there for me. And um, and so so they teach me. They start teaching me. And I start showing up to practices from then on. And wow, uh, awesome. I, I, did their, I did their gym practices. I even, I even illegally got into a game against St. John's University when I was like <laughs> 15, 16, 15 or 16. I think that was a year later or so. Um, 
still had no clue what the hell I was doing. You know, I remember those guys yelling at me like, <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> Trying to run the wrong way. I mean, I was just learning. Everybody stinks when they start, right? Everybody right. does. And, um, and so, yeah, so that's, that's how I got my start. And that's kind of what's led me, you know, for, for many years, I worked for Lacrosse America and, and it was all so grassroots. It was so, so much about just giving these kids opportunities. So I had bags and bags and bags and bags of gear. I mean, I'm talking four bags of arm, arm pads, four bags, oh, Jesus, probably six bags of helmets, more yeah. than that. I had wow. sticks. I had, I had everything in this. Yes. White man in a white van driving around the countryside, <laughs> putting on lacrosse clinics and pulling up into parks and these mothers are grabbing their kids and running for the hills, you know, <laughs> <laughs> Got the tinted windows, the whole thing. Yeah. Oh gosh. We, uh, yeah, we, we, uh, we got around a lot and it was me and sometimes it was just another high school kid or somebody I could get to right. unload the bags for me, you know? Um, but, uh, yeah, we'd go to, we'd do a clinic in, uh, the Fox Valley in the morning. We'd go up to Green Bay and do that one in the afternoon. Then Sunday, we'd be in Madison, Milwaukee. And it was just me and another guy. Uh, a guy by the name of um, uh, Phil Ryan hired me from Lacrosse America. Um, and uh, that was probably 19, or I'm sorry, uh, 2004. 2004. Okay. So from okay. 2004 to about, um, I guess it was 2014, 2015. Um no, 2016, I stopped with Lacrosse America, uh, full time. You know, not full time, but as a as an employee. And um, but yeah, that all that time was just introducing kids to the game and just getting them. You know, I got a kid yeah. this past what two years ago at at uh, Nina pulls pulls up in his longboard, and I'm like, "What are you doing?" And he goes, uh, "I came to watch practice. I got it. I said I got a no watching policy. You got to play." <laughs> and he said well i'm out of here and i turned around i said somebody give me that kid's number this kid's hands were huge i mean his i mean this kid just looks the part he's gonna be a face-off guy i mean i'm just like oh my god we got to get this play kid to play well he's he's on he made varsity this year and he and he uh at, at nina and he's he's working out as a face-off guy he's their backup face-off guy and uh you know it's just unbelievable sometimes just just that all, all it took was those guys just uh, i was just that interest i was just I was interested at that at that time, and those guys just put their arms around me. So I was part of the team, and so that was you know paying that back a lot was has always been you know something in the back of my mind. I, I started coaching at Nina High School in two thousand three. Uh, the year before that, Manasha okay. High School had a team, and they that was coached by Chris Schwab, and he has since moved, and he's still a friend. And um, anyway, he started the first like real program in the area. And that was Menasha. And they were good too. They, they were good for a few years. Um, the same thing. He just, you know, he was playing lacrosse one day. I don't know if he was playing wall ball or something. So these kids walked up. What the hell are you doing? <laughs> to a minister. He's a pastor. <laughs> and he's, and he's playing wall ball and they teach, and he teaches, you got, you got a bunch of sticks and he teaches them how to throw and catch. Next thing you know, they got a team. You know, it's, it's, it's that kind of thing. Um, wow. There's a little bit of luck, but there's a lot of passion that goes into that. And I kind of helped him. I found out that, that he was, uh, that he was uh, doing that. And then I was like, Hey, I, I played in college and Paul Zilski, I, I got on the phone because I knew he was wanting to start a program at Nina. I got on the phone. I'm like, hey, man, I'm a Nina. I played in college. He's like, are you serious? <laughs> we got and so uh, so we uh, so we met and, um, and then that was started 2003. That's when. Uh, yeah, that's when uh, Nina lacrosse started. 
And um, okay. yeah, I was there for almost 10 years, nine years, nine years. And, and, and I needed to have this youth program start. Nobody had a youth program. So I was the first one to bring okay. youth lacrosse uh, after that. That's why I left Nina. It was just, I mean, I was doing youth lacrosse, but it was only one day a week. I mean, imagine right. your son, Eric, getting one day of practice yeah. a week. How many kids can you Absolutely. get, you know, hooked on that? So I, I had to, I had to switch things up and that's when I had to, and that's when I was doing the weekends, you know, the Saturdays and the Sundays and then work during the week, sure. Saturdays, and Sundays. But uh, then I, we got it to, okay, we started getting teams. We had this thing called a new select team and it was called new select. It was Northeast Wisconsin select. Terrible name. I came up with it, but um, <laughs> it was, it was basically, yeah, I kind of like they, it. They, they were selected because they showed up um, and you know, <laughs> they had a stick that helps. Uh, and they had a, you know, a willingness to learn, but that was why they were selected. And we'd go to tournaments. I mean, honestly, God, I, I had uh, I, the first two years, I didn't let them play any games. The first two years, they just practiced. Just working on fundamentals. They, yeah. I think, yeah. I think one parent wanted to wring my neck. I'd let him play a tournament <laughs> at the end of the year. And that, that's it. But we weren't on any schedules. I was like, no, nope, you're not ready. You're not ready. You're not ready. And the parents were getting so anxious. They're getting so nervous. And they're like, what am I doing? I'm, you know, putting my kid through this. He's not even playing games. <laughs> well, then they get to seven, they get to seventh grade now, this, this class. And, uh, and they play, uh, uh, they play KM and KM was a pretty established program. They had, I think they had two or three U14 teams, you know, and these kids are seventh wow. graders with so that first class. So they're a little young. And we, it's, we have a, we have a close one with them. I think we lost by two and they're like, Holy crap, where do you guys come from? Where, where is this, you know, what league do you guys play? I said, we haven't played in the league. So then the rest of the schedule, we just mowed through everybody. <laughs> and it was so fun. It was just, and the kids had such a great time and it was just all of a sudden like, Oh, okay. That our fundamentals are pretty damn good. We, we, we don't even have to think about playing. We're just playing, you know? Um, and yeah. that was the whole point. And then, you know, eighth grade, by eighth grade, it was, you know, people are like, oh, it must be nice to have a select team. I was like, yeah, you know, these kids are the first, first kids who showed up. <laughs> they're, the, they're the dumb ones that wandered off on the, on the lacrosse field. If we go back to your youth, did so, so you're in the field of 15 or whatever, playing with these kids that are, yeah. that are in, on a college team. Did you have, yeah. what did you do in high school? Did you have a high school team? No, in, in your no, youth? I, I, I moved, I moved from St. Paul to Appleton. And you, you, okay. was, oh, you yes. and I both know that there was no lacrosse here in Appleton. I, yeah, I remember yeah. my friends were like, I had my stuff, you know, I had my stuff and I'd go out and play wall ball and, and stuff, but I, there was nobody to play with. I had no hope of playing at all. Um, and then I went to, uh, after Appleton West, I, I went to another high school. I did a postgraduate year uh, at a boarding school called the Hunt School of Princeton. And I went to the Hunt School of Princeton because my, I have uh, an uncle and, uh, well, two uncles that did this post-grad year and really turned out for them. They, they had excellent, you know, sports careers and regular careers. And, um, you know, uh, I just trusted them and I, I went out there and I did it. And, and I, I could have gone to a school called Lawrenceville, which was about two miles down the road or, or the Hun school uh, for this last year, this post senior year, year before I go to college, I wanted to get my SAT scores up and I wanted to get my guy was a football guy, like I said. So I, I wanted to get my grades up a little bit, get a little more opportunity. I was getting looked at by some schools that I liked and I just needed to improve this stuff. So I went out there and um, played football, tore my ACL, tore my, tore my knee completely apart the, the week before school even started. And, um, 
and that it was a uh, ACL meniscus and MCL tear all in one shot. So it was, I uh, was, it was a rough shape. Good work. So now I'm living out there. I'm, yeah, I'm living out there by myself, you know, first time away from home, third high school in the third different state. And I tear my knee apart and I can't even go to class. Like, yeah, I don't know anybody. It's like, yeah, it's brutal. So anyway, everything worked out great. I, I against strongly against medical advice. I played lacrosse that spring with a giant brace wow. and I, I could run and, you know, I could run fast one line, you know, they had me playing LSM and I loved it. It was great. We had, we had a, we had a, we had a fun, fun time. And, and then, uh, yeah, then I ended up going to, um, going to Jacksonville university and I played there for three years. Wow. That's crazy. How was that experience? Yeah, it was great, man. It was, it was awesome. It wasn't extensive, but it was enough to, you know, I loved it. And, um, it was enough to give me give me the passion I needed to you know pass along. I guess it's incredible. Just those guys playing lacrosse in the field got you yeah. hooked. That's amazing. So well, seeing it on cable. I mean, if cable had to come out, yeah, you know. So so you you get through college. You know, let, I guess let, let's get into a, a little bit of, of, of the Scani stuff and just how that. Sure. You know, for those those people on, on, that don't know, I mean, Scani's the, the summer ball of uh, of lacrosse. Um, right. We we played for for a lot. One, my son played for a lot of years, and it's uh, yeah, it's great lacrosse. I mean, the kids, it's 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 a lot of fun. Um, and and you're the person that's responsible for it. You you brought it to this area, yeah. basically. Yeah, yeah. If, if, yeah well, that was, if you yeah. really brought the sport here with with without Chris Green, there's no lacrosse. But uh, Scotty in particular. Yeah, yeah. So that um that that started um. So again, I, it was it was Lacrosse America team. It was, I was working for Lacrosse America, and, and they had Team Illinois at the time, and um, and we had a kid from Bayport that was um, traveling to Illinois to play for Team Illinois, and um, Jordan Mahoney. Anyway, he uh, you know he was saying this and that about it, and I was and one day I got a call from my uh, colleagues down in Chicago and and Barrington and at uh, Lacrosse America, and they're like, hey, we got this. We got this tournament, this indoor tournament. It's you know we got it's like an all star all star kind of thing. Can you put together a team in a week? You know we got to have it. It's it's next Sunday. Can you be down here next Sunday in a week? We'll give you you know it's, it'll be twenty five bucks a kid. We're cutting the price down. Just we need a team. You know, I'm like all right, sure, yeah, I can, I can, I think I can take care of that. So I made a few phone calls to some kids from different teams, best kids in the in the indoor league we had at the time at the sports emporium, and I said, uh, yeah. Um, you know, let's let's put together a team. We put together, I don't know, like 10, 12 kids. I mean, it was a different format. It was 8v8. We play in this tournament at Lake Barrington, this giant field house down there. And uh, we're standing in line to register. We don't have any uniforms, right? We don't, you know. Uh, and and one of the kids, uh, one of the teams is standing next to us in line. We're all standing in a single file line. And um, one of the kids from Illinois is next to him. And he, he, he looks down at one of my fiery little redhead kids, Scott, Scotty Blankfield. And uh, <laughs> he didn't know he was the smallest kid on the team or smallest kid in the field for that matter. He was probably, in his mind, he was by far the biggest. And um, this guy chirps at him and he says, uh, he said, what are you guys doing from Wisconsin besides wasting everybody's time? Well, now we got to fight. Now we're, now we're in there. Now we're, now we're pushing guys around. <laughs> we're pushing. I'm like, this is not a good start. And I'm marshes down there with me. And I'm like, we're look, I'm looking at him like, oh Christ, what are we doing? You know, and we get our, our jerseys, you know, we go to the first game. And uh, it's going back and forth throughout the whole game. And I'm playing my my boss, Rim Martin. He was he was the guy who paid my checks. And um, 
he was the owner of lacrosse mary i'm playing his team and we're going back and forth and they end up winning by one and and we're like okay we can, we can hang with these guys well then the rest of the tournament we just completely smoked everybody we nobody came close to us not even by like i think the closest score was six and the, the championship game they're like hey do you mind if we just combine all our players because there's some kids who just want to leave <laughs> i'm like i wouldn't know the difference anyway go ahead <laughs> And we won that one by like six. And um, it was, you know, it was, it was so much fun. It was just, and that's what started. And Rich Martin pulled me into the, uh, pulled me into a, to a board room. And he said, listen, man, you're just running through our teams here. I mean, I think it's about time we start Team Wisconsin. We got, we got to get this going. He said, I can't believe it's been, it's only been this long. And I said, well, yeah, I mean, I, I think we can probably pull that off. Sure. Yeah, let's, let's do it, you know? And that's what started it. And then, then next summer we had a team and we went down to Pipe City, the first year of Pipe City, 2011. And um, Pipe City is a giant area. It's a giant tournament in Vernon Hills. It's, I mean, I think they had like 280 teams or something like that. Some crazy. It's insane. Yeah, it's great. Have you ever ref there, Joe? Or you've been there. I mean, you obviously Owen's been there. Oh, yeah, a lot of years. Yeah, it's okay. one of my favorite weekends. Yeah, they, they treat us really, really well there. It's, it's one of my favorite events to work. They do. They're great. Yeah, they they get they give Team Wisconsin a golf cart every year because we've been been we've been there every year since they started, and we have a good relationship, of course. But um, which is huge at, at a place that big to have a golf cart is massive. One of my favorite things about about summer lacrosse, and it's unlike any other sport, is Tent City. So you, yeah, when you go to these tournaments, you, you'll play. You know, you'll play maybe three games in a day, but they could be spread out over an eight hour period. Sure. So you're just yeah. inevitably at the complex and. Everybody brings a tent and food and chairs. And I mean, it's, it's a great time to yeah. just lounge in the shade. And Chris is right. Yeah. I mean, pipe city there there's, there's 30, 38, 39, 40 fields that, that, that are going and it's spread over. I, I just, the footprint of this place is nuts. I mean, it, it, it takes, it probably takes 45 minutes to walk from one end to the other. Um, it, it's nuts. <laughs> it's crazy. That's why a golf cart helps. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, the first year I think they had like sixty-four teams. That was a lot. Back then. I mean, that yeah. was a big tournament back then, two thousand eleven or whatever it was. And we we went we had brought our team down there. We lost in the championship game of the first year, and they still qualified us for the Dixon National Championship. So we went down to Florida for the Dixon National Championship, our first freaking year out of the gate. Wow! And we're playing against. I mean, we're the best team. I mean, we're like we played the Thompsons. And, you know, they, they were the best lacrosse players we'd ever seen. You know, they were, they're absolutely amazing. You know, and, and we were, I think it was two to two at the beginning of the game. We're, you know, we're coming out swinging, right? And then the Thompsons <laughs> decided to start playing. And it ended up being like 21 to two. And, uh, you know, we're, we're telling the kid, you know, keep your heads up, you know. And they're running off the field. And they're like, are you kidding me? This is incredible. Have you ever seen anything like it? We, we lost the game twice. The refs didn't know where the ball was. We didn't know where the, the ball was. We, I mean, I'm sorry. We, we lost the ball twice. And uh, the ball was in the back of our net. Our goalie's still, you know, trying to track it, find out where it is. The ball's behind him twice. And we looked at each other. And we're like, oh, boy. It's going to be a long one. Oh, boy. It was unbelievable. It was like, it was like playing Hogwarts. <laughs> so... You know, looking back at where you were with youth and how, you know, you're just bringing along and where we are today, there's still an amazing amount of potential for growth in this area. What, what do you see? What do you, what do you hope for? What do you... 
Well, yeah, what I, what I see is um, I mean, we, we, we need more people. I mean, it's it, we're getting a lot more people than we ever had. Yeah. I, mean, I, I was at the very grassroots level. Uh, you know, the superintendent for Nina Joint School District was uh, stopped by last weekend at Nina High School to see the, the lacrosse game. And, and apparently, uh, I'm, I'm told that her husband is kind of a fan of the game, so you want to come out and see. And well, she couldn't find any parking because the end of season, the end of season youth tournament was going on at the same place. So exactly. during all this, during all this, you were there. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> and uh, the, all these people, you couldn't park anywhere. She had to park way down the road. She had to walk through the school. I don't even know if she was know, knew what was going on, you know. And she looked around and she saw Mike Alkin, who's the uh, the yep. athletic director at Nina, and and he said, "Look around you. So isn't this incredible?" And she's like, "This is amazing. This is absolutely amazing." He said, "Do you remember it's signing off on that sanctioning lacrosse of the WAA sport?" Right. Look, it's not going anywhere. She's like, this is absolutely incredible. So if you see things like that, especially from that perspective, um, I think that's uh, that's that's a really good sign. Uh, I, I you know, I'm, I'm told that we're going to start to see uh, lacrosse team, division three lacrosse teams in Wisconsin more now, maybe in the in the, in the UW system. Maybe Lawrence. UW Oshkosh. Yeah. yeah Lawrence. Lawrence yeah. Coach, yeah. And uh, they're getting a team. And um, so it's 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 too popular it's growing too fast and it's the one of the biggest problems of of, of having the youth team and it worked out for me because it was so grassroots and i could kind of control things more you know mm-hmm. and the parents they didn't know what was going on they were just coming out there and cheering <laughs> on their kids they, they, which is perfect you know they didn't know the rules they don't know the strategy so we'd be like you know the parents and you know the ones are yelling out at the rush are like oh she knows too much <laughs> we gotta shut her up somehow <laughs> she's on to us so anyway uh but yeah so but all of that is um all of that is is just kind of the building blocks you know that, that come along with it but now it's just you see this explosion you know and all these people getting involved and and, and the kids having fun but if the kids stop having fun they're going to stop learning the game and it's going to suck so that's the main thing is that they got to keep having fun it's got to be competitive you know and of course like any sport you're gonna have your challenges but um, but when it comes to coaching and, and teaching and learning, that's that's the main thing. But then I don't know, Eric, if you're talking about like what the potential of the growth is. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I mean, I think. Yeah, I think a lot more kids are going to be playing in college. I, I think that's yeah. what I think. Um, I think, there's, you know, there's going to be a lot more colleges to play for, hopefully. Yeah. And, you know, as WIA comes in next year, um, I that's got to help out, too. When these kids start to be able to see their teams, their high school teams that they're coming up through middle school and through elementary school and see it and featured, that's going to be tremendous. Yeah. And it's fun. Oh. It's really fun to play. It's yeah. a lot more fun than some of the other sports. It re- I'm sorry. I'm, I know yeah. I'm biased, but <laughs> it is. it's more fun. It's not for everybody, you know, but for a lot of kids, it's a lot of fun. See, I'm a baseball guy. I play baseball. Okay. I coached at Lawrence. My sure. kid told me the other day, he goes, you know, Dad, can you imagine if I was still playing baseball? And I said, yeah. absolutely not. Right. I said, you picked up a stick, yeah. and it was absolutely incredible. You fell in love yeah. with it right away. Uh, absolutely. Totally know the feeling. That goes to the, the popularity and, and, and why the sport is incredible. Is because you can be an athlete and pick up the stick, and you can you – can, it's, I'm not saying you pick it up quick because, as you said, it's anything picking up is difficult. But you can learn to love it right away and grow pretty fast. Because yeah. it's hard. 
because yeah. because when you start doing it and you make a couple puts, kind of, like I said, like kind of like oh, you make a couple plays, you're like, oh, that was that was really fun, you know. Well, right. I just I just caught the ball, ran it, and, and turned and made a nice pass to somebody else and scored. That was kind of fun. That was kind of cool. <laughs> and I tell I, I described it to people like it, it's a rough basketball game with sticks, and I think people kind of relate to that. And I can't tell you I mean, how many parents, you know, said, hey, we used to drag our kid to baseball practice, you right. know, like, come on, let's go. We got it. We got to go. We got to go. Now he's sitting in the back seat with all his gear on waiting to go. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, that's yeah, kind of how, yeah, how it works. And I can't think of a better thing for them to get hooked on. My son also said, here's the reason I, I love lacrosse is all the things I can't do in hockey, I can do in lacrosse. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, he not, says, all of them. Yeah. not all of them. He, he says this, lacrosse is probably the most physical sport he plays, and he plays football and hockey. Yeah. I never got hit harder in any game than in lacrosse, and I played football and hockey. Yeah, in St. Paul. Yeah. So yeah, that yeah, I got oof, I got laid out once, but <laughs> yeah, I mean, but because you, you don't see it as much, especially when you're learning, you know, you don't realize you know, where the train's coming from. You guys spoke, you know, spoke to something with, with football and the crossover with lacrosse. I, I'm a firm believer that this sport is fantastic for football and, and it's taken some educating the coaches and then all the high school coaches are still not fully educated on, on lacrosse. There, there's some issues at some of the schools as far as how much time is dedicated to the sport for the high school athletes, field usage, th things like that. Lacrosse a lot of times still takes a back seat to some of that, but but the crossover between the two games, the footwork, the the skill, um, the the you know, Chris, you described it. The movement of lacrosse is very similar to basketball. Uh, the offense, that that motion. Um, you, you're right, but it's got the, the the footwork and the leverage and things like that of football. Pursuit angles, Pursu absolutely. Pursuit angles, absolutely. Right. How often do you work on that? It's 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 coverage. It's ball skills. It's hand-eye coordination. It's you know, a lot of it is footwork. It's the fastest game on two feet. I tell the kids all the time, you know, if you're, you know, if you're walking, you're wrong, obviously, but you know, yeah. If you play, fastest if you game play, on grass. Right. If you, if you play, if you, if you play the game slow, nothing happens. If you play the right. game fast, things are going to, you're going to see things happen. You know, maybe it works better if you switch those two around. If you, you know what I mean? If it's uh you play the game fast, it works. If you don't play it fast, nothing happens. So, and that's so true. It's, it's, you've got to move your feet effectively, whether you're playing defense or offense and it's about manipulating your player you know absolutely and, and that's what i i hope you know i, mean, I love football as well and, and and that's really what i hope that the, the high school official or um, excuse me high school coaches see the value of lacrosse because i just to date they're starting to see it but i think there's some room for improvement on the high school coaches side but it it, it is a fantastic game um yeah, it is. it is. And it's, and I, you're 100% correct. I, I loved it. I loved it. I think it did help me play football. I know that it helped my daughter. My daughter played boys lacrosse for years. I know that that helped her play soccer. She played soccer at UW Oshkosh. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and, but I, I know that she, uh, I know that she uh, learned a lot. I mean, just boxing out and just learning how to box out, just being physical and understanding how to use your body, understanding how to manipulate your defender, understanding, you know, uh, all the, the, the tricks uh, that it's, it's so much up here people don't even understand yeah. there's so much of it up there you mm -hmm. know the guy i was telling my son he's a freshman now and nina and, he, and we're watching film so i get the eye roll and it's like okay <laughs> hey drew i want to show you one more thing come here come here you gotta see this <laughs> dude i love that there's film i love <clears throat> film so much we, we didn't have it like that before 
no no but uh anyway uh so anyway i'm, I'm watching this film and the defender comes onto his high side and I, I was like you tried to wrap your stick around you know he's coming on your high side all you had to do is take a step with your left to the back you'd have been one on over the goalie he's like oh yeah yeah. yeah. So little things like you know, little things like that, and that goes with experience. It goes with understanding the leverages and understanding you know where everybody is in the field, and what you're what you're able to do. And being creative and just being creative, and that's and that's what so that's what's so great about. That's why it's such such an athletic game. It's for the athletes, athlete, and that that is absolutely true. Um, absolutely, yeah. The freedom to be creative. Oh, absolutely. Agreed. Yeah. You know, you, you you talked about your daughter. She's in college playing. How, how do you balance? I mean, you coach teams. You're you, you know you're you're an, you're an athlete's dad. You know, a dad, a father. Yeah. How do you how do you balance? I mean, I especially. I mean, we're not getting younger. Our kids are getting older. Time just flies. You know, you you, you want to see their games. You want to be committed to the teams you coach. How, how do you balance all that? How do you how do you navigate that? Yeah, it can be hard. It, it, yeah, I mean, it, you, you do it every day, day by day. You meet every situation, you know, differently, I, I guess. But, I mean, you try to. I, I, honestly, I, I took some time off to see Piper play because she was traveling all over. I didn't have any time to coach. So I didn't coach during that time where she was traveling all over the country playing club soccer. Mm -hmm. um, but now my son's playing, you know, and he was on varsity as a freshman, which was a bit unexpected for us. So we didn't really plan for that. But um yeah there were some games that I, I missed because of practice and there were some games that i missed practice because i wanted to see the game and i i told my assistant uh you know i've, I've been coaching other people's kids for so long I, i'm not going to miss this one you know right <laughs> right and it was well understood it was well understood but that's yeah you know, sometimes you just got to call those shots you know that's all yeah hey, it speaks to the need i mean it's it's for a whole nother show but we need more coaches. We need more officials. We just need more people to be involved and, and to help and to learn the game and and. But do it the right way. I mean, because yeah, if it's not done the right way, it's it's uh, it's just as bad. So um, yeah, I mean, they're out there playing, but but you you know, yeah, I think it's really 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 important to do it the right way. I mean, it's because uh, uh, it's you, you it has to be sustainable um, for the kids, and it has to be a good experience. I mean, we my my team at Nina this year we lost. A lot of games, a lot of games. But we, you know, what, what we focused on was, uh, you know, what, what we have to do things better that create wins. We have to do things better that create opportunities to score, to create goals. You know, that that's the thing. And you really break it down that, you know, that small. Um, hell, effort. I mean, the ball is laying there. Don't look at me. Pick it up. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right. Some kids that just these days that that's a bigger challenge. Is, is some of the kids they, they you know it's not it's uh getting to get getting that motivation you know getting that uh get after it some kids have it and some kids don't i, I hear parents say well we want our kid to be more aggressive so we're going to get them into lacrosse and well you either have that or you don't yeah <laughs> right mm -hmm. what were your parents coaches or how did you become a, a coach how did you get the bug because you do it really really well i mean there's yeah. there's not and i mean that sincerely because it that's how I would like my kids to be coached because you're, you're coaching life lessons. I mean, the, the best coaches that, that I know, the, the best youth coaches that I know coach that way. You know, it's not about, they don't care about the W's, the wins. They don't mean anything. Nobody's ever going to remember. Now. It's about yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Who's nobody's going to remember a U 12, 13 game. Joe, I want to win more than anybody. Believe me. I, yeah. hate, losing. <laughs> I hate losing so much more. And I love winning. It's not even funny. 
right? But so yeah, is that hard? That's that's hard. But it, but but it's how you deal with it. I mean, and that's what the lesson is for all those kids is it's not what happens to you. Is how you deal with it. What are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about it? We all have to ask ourselves every day that that same thing. And that never goes away, right? We we all just admitted our age a little while ago. It's in the fifties, and we're still every single day we're battling that exact same question. <laughs> I have so right. much growing up to do. Yeah. Oh, exactly. <laughs> exactly. We're doing a podcast for Christ's sakes. <laughs> well, you guys, you guys both bring up the refing side. I know in hockey, because uh, my oldest refs, uh, they lose about fifty percent of the first year refs. They don't come back their second year. Is that similar in lacrosse? I would. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't know. Joe, can you say anything to that? Well, we're we're almost to the point where I wish we could get enough people to say that we lost fifty percent. We okay. we hardly even get. You know, it's just nobody's signing up. You're you're lucky to get one or two a year. It, it's you're not even treading water anymore. You just you're just sinking. It's it's it's, it's really up here for lacrosse for the number. And, and it's great that the sport is expanding. That's fantastic, but the officiating pool is and is not expanding. I don't know if that'll change with the WIAA. The WIAA will exchange that. Yes, they're 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 going to have a lot more boots on the ground getting people. I think than the WL left it or any of the other. Yeah, perhaps from a recruiting standpoint, maybe. But the fact still remains: there's nobody here refing. You know, you, they don't just drop out of trees. I mean, whoever comes in and starts refing, they're probably not going to have a whole lot of experience. So there's going to be growing growing pains, and it's just there's just not enough people doing it. And it's not just this sport; it's it's every sport. You know, football they're they're all like that. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, but lacrosse especially because it's exploding so fast. Right, and you you actually do see it on the coaching side as well. I mean, the coaches are just as valuable as as, as the officials because, you know, what you just spoke to all of those lessons. I mean, that's why your kids should be playing sports is to get those lessons. Um, but there's not enough people like you out there that are coaching, and and they're dropping for a lot of the same reasons that the officials are dropping. Yeah. Yes. Uh, yes. True. Very true. And, and it's it, but again, it's about how you handle it is how, how you deal with those things. Uh, yeah, if we've all as coaches have had our unpleasant, you know, encounters with parents and, and, you know, certain things with kids, you know, but I think it's how you handle it. I, I think it's how you I, I mean, I've had to ha- uh, deal with playing time issues, right? So an example of that is um, what I'll do is I'll, I'll say, okay, mom and or dad and, and the player, you know, we'll call him Johnny, right? Mm-hmm. So Johnny wants to make it over Jimmy and or Johnny wants on the team. Okay. Well, who, who, who should I take off the team for you then? Cause if I'm going right. to put you on the field, I got to take somebody off. So who, who do you think you're better than? Well, usually the kid says nothing and dad will chime in. Oh, Jimmy, Jimmy, he's better than Jimmy. Oh, okay. okay. What about Danny? Oh yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. Maybe Danny too. Yeah. Tell you what, you're going to try out against Jimmy and Danny today. Let's see how you do. Is that fair? Mom, dad, fair. Yeah. Okay. Fair. Well, I know damn well, Jimmy and Danny are going to kick his ass. So (laughs) (laughs) now have I been wrong? I've been wrong before. I've I've been wrong before. You give a kid that opportunity. Okay. Now, you know what? Play for it. Yeah. I love that you want to play. I want, I want to play. I think that's great. Here's your platform. Go ahead. If it works out, it works out. And sometimes it does. Usually it doesn't. Usually it's, I know exactly who's going to win those little battles, you know, but, um, wait, so you're saying a way to do it. So you're saying that the coach knows more than the parent. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I just want to get that straight. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Only lacrosse. Got it. Yeah. 
but I mean, if it's a rec team like this year, I don't care. I don't care. Who, you know, they're all going to play, you know? Right. You know, so, uh, yeah, it's, that's about lifting each other up and, you know, they just don't want to, you know, they want to be with certain players that they're on, on the same field with, but Hey, we got to do it together, you know? So it's right. So that that's, that's why the, the winning isn't the biggest deal at the rec league. The, 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 the learning is the biggest deal. Um, what I rather win. Yeah. But learning is more important. Right. Right. Well, that's, that's definitely, I mean, you, you think about that. That's what builds up into the high school, the youth built in the high school, learning the game, you know, we're, we're still, I mean, I, I noticed that when we go and you, you play down South, you play at McGuanago, you play at KM, you play these schools that it, it's such a different game than what's played up here. And I, I assume, and you guys know more about this. I'm only, I'm fairly new in this. Their programs down South have been going on for a lot longer than us than up here. Yes, absolutely. Okay. Yes. And they have more coaches. They have more good coaches. They have more coaches okay. who've played and who've been coached by real coaches. Uh, that's, that's a, you know, that's a, that's a big deal. So, um, yeah, I mean, it, I have a lot of experience, but I still need that. I still need some youth to bridge that generation gap. I mean, the dad jokes only go so far. With youth working. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, it would, it's a little more difficult as a, for, for coaches. I mean, as a dad, you know, mo a lot of guys picked up a baseball and threw it and watched enough games that they can go coach some, some youth baseball. But like you said, unless you watch lacrosse on Memorial weekend, that might be all you've seen. <laughs> oh, we got plenty of dads. I watched this YouTube video the other day. The other day. Like, oh, th thanks, man. All right. <laughs> but I mean, hey, I watch it too. I mean, if I want, you know, I'll watch some. But you know, whatever works. But yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I do. I, I need. Uh, I was at Bayport High School for for two years there. My wife gave me one year because I had some Team Wisconsin kids go to Bayport, and their their coach was he had a bad back. He was having some health problems, and and uh so so i went up to bayport and i uh i coached them my wife gave me a year i, I did two years because i think the, my first year we had 17 seniors seniors i think my last year we had 18 seniors wow was so gash was, up there so that was did you so did that, you have gash isaiah i i had him as a freshman and I okay asked him to move, and my last year there i asked him to move up he said he didn't he didn't want to he wanted to play with his friends so i was like okay man all right do what you, <laughs> you got to do but i would have loved to have him yeah what an incredible player he was. Holy cow. Still is. Or holy smokes. Maybe that that's a better yeah. term. <laughs> I, holy cow's good. That works. <laughs> yeah. But um, no, he, yeah, he's fantastic. And he's the first uh, player to come out of our area, uh, out of Wisconsin, um, mm. uh, to sign with the PLO. He, he went to Bayport High School. Can you believe it? Unbelievable. Amazing. Absolutely. He's, he's a freak. And his dad was great. His dad was really into it. Uh, Jeff, Jesse Nagin was his youth coach. He was, he was a coach on my staff for years and years and years. Great guy. Um, and, and coached a lot of lacrosse. Uh, we did a lot of Badger State lacrosse camp as well. Together. Yeah, uh, I remember so that. that. Was, so that was the Alvarices. Um, uh, so Jason was the one who kind of ran it. But Joe Alvarice, the head coach for uh, West Point Army, ran the camp. And his staff ran the camp. And then numerous, numerous other, you know, friends. I mean, we had, that's where I met Ron Caputo from Duke, and I learned a lot from him. Um, it's where I, I met some of my friends to this day that I still communicate uh, with. But, um, 
yeah, that, that was just a fantastic, fantastic experience. I think we did that uh, 10 years. Jack Emmer was there. Jack Emmer is a look up Jack Emmer. This, guy, <laughs> this guy's an absolute legend in the game of lacrosse. He helped write the rule book. I mean, this, this guy is absolutely phenomenal. 100% phenomenal. One of the best lacrosse, lacrosse coaches of all time. And I got to coach with this guy for like four years. Wow. Um, and so it, it, you know, this is where, this is where I learned like him and my mentor, Phil Ryan, uh, th those are the guys I really learned how to coach from, you know, and how to lead, you know, how, how to talk to their players, how to, how to, uh, how to get the most out of their players. You know, that was, it was such a present emphasis of, uh, and, and they were so confident with what they did. You know, they were so, um, so smart and they were so skilled at um being efficient with each practice no rep no rep is is to you know you don't waste a rep just every rep is absolutely critical you know so uh that's it was it was a real pleasure coaching those guys and doing that uh, every year for 10 years so i i actually think that we sat across from each other at the red smith last year um when casey was on and, you know, we, we talked to Casey before, but during his speech, too, he talked about the moment that lacrosse hit for him. And it was a, it was a FIED teacher bringing sticks into the classroom. I, as a teacher, I, I don't, we don't have that anymore at the middle schools and the, high, and the elementary schools. We, we do a lot about gaining confidence for kids, but we don't have those, like, those units, those, those sports, those activities. And, you know, maybe that's what we need to help grow those sports again. And so maybe some of those skills that kids need when they get into high school as well. Yeah. Well, my son, they have a lacrosse unit. And, they do. And, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah they do. Um, so, uh, yeah. Uh, but I remember I, I used to go over and teach uh, lacrosse to the teachers at uh, Horace Mann Middle School. Yeah. I used to go over there and, and, and coach the team the gym teachers wow. but um so i just run a run a clinic or whatever but yeah no they, they do yeah they do have that at, at nina anyway but okay um yeah but it's uh yeah it's it's it is it's you know we're just getting the kids involved and, and seeing wins too uh, obviously helps i mean it's you know nina lost so many games you know and so we're hearing about these kids who want to try it now you know Oh, oh I, I want to try lacrosse now. Well, they're having a lot of success. They're winning games. They got to the yeah. Elite Eight this year. They, yeah. they were season yeah. sixth. That's a big, I think they won four or five games the year before. That's a big turnaround to losing three games. That's, right. you know, that's, that's going to, success breeds success, definitely. And I think that's going to bring more uh, excitement and, and attention. Yeah, great to talk to you guys. I really appreciate your questions, and let me know if I can do anything else. No, thanks, thanks Chris. I appreciate it. All right. Thank we'll you. talk soon. All right. See ya. See ya. Bye. So uh, we have an amazing opportunity. We have several lacrosse uh, guys. You just heard from from Chris Green. And uh, I. we also have Danny Rafalski, who is the new one-year-in head coach of Appleton United. Um, Appleton United is going, well, all lacrosse is going to be WIA next year. And hopefully Danny's on board again for another year. But what a great story. Uh, his dad is uh, Brian Rafalski, USA Hockey Hall of Fame, uh, winner of three Stanley Cups. Um, lives right in our backyard in Wapaka as well, which is pretty cool. But we want to 
go away from that, but we want to learn more about Danny, and this is a great opportunity. Uh, an exciting interview. Uh, very energetic young man, and uh, I think you're going to enjoy this one. Well, let's get into that. Yeah, yeah let's, let's start there. Why don't we start diving into the to you, you? I mean, you're growing up, and your dad's a professional hockey player. So, you know, what was that like um, during those times? So, honestly, I... I know I've seen pictures of my family when we didn't have a lot of money, when I was outside, just like, not like, and I remember being in apartment. Okay. So yeah, I guess my first memory of being with my family and realizing that um, my dad did something cool would have been in New Jersey. So out of college, he, um, he was never drafted. He never got drafted. He was undersized, um, under, uh, under athletic, I guess, not, not the best verbiage for that, but, um, so he went over to Europe and played one year in Sweden and then three years in Finland, hoping to uh, make it in the NHL one day. And uh, he had me in 1997, and he finally got uh, picked up in free agency. I believe it was 1999, late 2000. So I was about three years old at the time. Okay. Um, and he, I mean, he he's a grinder, man. Uh, if there's one thing I'd say about my dad is he's when he finds something he's into, he just goes, like he just goes right in. He he's there's no stopping. And same thing for me. Like I, I definitely got some of that from him, but uh. So he never gave up on his dream. Uh, and it, and it, I, I mean, I never really appreciate it until now, but um, yeah, he grinded his ass off in Europe and then made his way into the devils. Um, but basically I don't, I remember growing up very privileged, I guess from the start. Cause I remember being about like four or five when he first went to New Jersey and we lived in um, a two story, I guess it's like a, not an apartment, but um, it was just me, my mom, and then I remember when I realized we were privileged because I did have a nanny. And we they had this nanny for about six years. She was family. She was family for a long time. She moved with us to Michigan. Uh, she was the best. And I, I, that's when I, like, I mean, I never went to, like, a privileged elementary school. I just went to the local elementary school. And I I feel like I sort of picked up, like, oh, wow, like, we're, uh, like, this isn't normal. And uh, I've always been pretty aware of that. I've always been, kind of been, like, guarded about that. Uh, I've never thought I was anything special. Um I'm not, we're all, I mean, we're all special, but at the end of the day, we're all one in like what, eight, eight billion at this point. Right. <laughs> so, uh, I don't know. I've, I've, I've always, uh, I've always kind of been insecure about it. Um, I put a lot of pressure on myself and I always have since I was young. Um, so growing up, but it was always like, I knew my dad was doing something cool and that I should be doing something cool too because he, he had this presence about him. He was always, I always got to go to these hockey games. I mean, I, and I did, I will say as, as much as I realized, like he did something cool and we were very privileged. I don't think I ever realized how privileged you were until I went to middle school. So I spent, let's see here from about pre-K till fifth grade or fourth grade was in New Jersey. My dad played for the Devils, uh, two cups. I have a lot of fond memories of that. <laughs> They've gone away as the years have gone on, but I can still remember walking through the halls of the locker room. I can still remember being on his shoulders after like a Stanley Cup game. Um, now, is it true, Danny? Can you do they get to keep the cup for a night or a, a day and do whatever they want to? Whole day, whole day. So, yeah. uh, that's, so every summer, I mean, we've always had a place. That's why I'm in Wisconsin, actually, because my dad would visit my mom's relatives on the chain of lakes. And oh, when nice. We started, started actually making like some good income from hockey. Um, he's like, oh, we got to get a place out here. So we we have always had a summer place on the chain. Um, they're still living there to this day. Um, wow. Just 45 minutes down the road. He 
Yeah, no, so I always try to visit as much as possible. But uh, he's he's a busy man. He's working on a piece of property that he has right now. So he has a pole sure. barn. He's raising chickens. So he, he keeps himself busy. Like he's, I think he's out there for literally like six to eight hours a day. And I think because I have these same desires too, and I, I guarantee you it's – I'm sure – I don't know. I'm really weird about this, but I'm sure guys who are like traditional guys who want to raise a family, who want to support their family, um, he's really like setting – He's setting himself up like he's setting a legacy for himself and his family with this property. Like he's building a bunker underneath there. He's just like he's he's we have egg laying chickens. He again, we just we just cut our feed chickens or eating chickens. It was a cool experience and uh, glad he made us do that. Sure. Oh, yeah. Life changing. <laughs> getting back to uh to your youth so your your dad's just starting the nhl but are you playing sports at this time or are sports an interest for you so i was always all over the place i played hockey uh just because my dad played hockey i mean i i've always loved hockey but i've always been more of a fan off the ice than on the ice like i love the hockey culture but whenever i was on the ice there was always a certain expectation that i didn't like like it was always like oh your, your dad's brian rafalski oh like i like for instance, in Michigan, I would be really insecure going to hockey rinks or watching my brother play as a youth because my dad would be there. And uh, everyone, random kids, random parents would be coming up to me, oh, are you Brian Rafalski's son? And trying to, like, get me to, to like, talk to me. And, like, they, I don't know these people. Like, I didn't think I was that special. I'm just a kid in middle school, elementary school, just trying to, like, <laughs> right. play the yeah. game in, in the rink. And uh, I have all these people coming up to me. And, um, like, I've been – I guess this is one of the reasons I, I've kind of, like – I embrace my dad's career more now, but growing up, like I was spit on by certain fans of other teams. Ah. I've been, I've been jeered at as like a six-year-old, seven-year-old. Uh, I've been like shoved, and uh, I mean, I, as an as an adult, like I don't quite understand it. It's probably just intoxicated people, yeah. but really, sort of, it's still to this day. I don't like being in large crowds. I really don't. Like I didn't go yeah. to. I mean, to one or two Clemson games when I was in college. Like. Like those are some freaking awesome experiences for most people, but I just don't like crowds. So I would rather sit at home and watch. But, oh, what a shame. Um, Unbelievable. Some people, I mean, it, I blame intoxication and I mean, sports fans are passionate, especially when you come to Stanley cup finals. Right. <laughs> it's true. Absolutely. So, I mean, so how long did you play hockey then until what age? Well, I played radically. I played soccer my okay. whole life. I oh, okay. I could probably coach soccer better than I could coach lacrosse. I, I'm a better. <laughs> I, I've played soccer my whole life. Lacrosse didn't start until middle school. What position were you? I played everything, man. From ages about as soon as I started till about middle school, I played attack or forward. Then I played goalie until my sophomore year of wow. High. And then after sophomore year of high school, I played midfield again for a year. And then after midfield, all our seniors were defensemen, and they left, and they're like, Danny. Your, your defense now like and I, yeah. I was like I actually I think I made all conference defense my one year playing defense too so I mean soccer's always been like soccer's my bag like more more so than lacrosse wow I love I, I, soccer's a I have a deep deep love for soccer my oldest went through and play he was a left back his whole uh growing up years oh that's what's up that's a fun position too it is yes yeah, I like the fact deep. fact that you talk about you know playing a lot of different sports and I think, you know, this day and age, we see kids specializing, even in like late elementary school for that, that matter. And I, I like the fact that you talked about, yo, I did this, I did this, I played this. Well, I think that contributed to like, like, 
I, don't, I take a lot of pride in my athleticism. Like I know the day where I'm not able to do certain things is going to be a tough day for me. Like I, I, I know it will be. I know it will mentally get to me because I take <laughs> such pride in my athleticism. I take such pride in, in being able to like – like I could fall from a tree and be like I'll probably be okay because like I could do something athletic to get out of that position or, so, or something. I don't know. But um, yeah, playing all these sports, I played baseball for a couple of years. I, I never played basketball. Although basketball is one of my favorite sports, and honestly, I'm really good at basketball right now. Like, I, I love <laughs> basketball, but I hated it growing up. My excuse was, what's one basket compared to, like, one goal in hockey, one goal in soccer, one goal in lacrosse? Like, I don't care about one basket, whereas I care about one goal in every other sport. But that, that was just silly. That was my – that was just an excuse. Um, <laughs> but I, but going back to – sorry, I, I go off on tangents. Um, but going back to the multi-sport, I do believe it's a lot to has to do with social media. Because, I mean, I know I'm comparing myself to a lot of people online when I go on Instagram. And I'm sure it's tough nowadays when you're seeing parents seeing these kids who are 10, 11, 12, out in, like, Texas, out in the south, anywhere, at, at some random state who are just looking elite. And you don't know right. what these kids are doing. You don't know what sports they're doing. But they just see this kid being so good in one sport. And it's just like, all right, well, I have to put my kid in this one sport because – Otherwise, there's all these other kids are just going to catch up and beat them. Where I think, at least at the youth stages, I think it's so important to be the, getting all the hand-eye coordination, all the footwork in that all these sports can can bring to the table. Instead of just like, like I find the issue with hockey players. Um, like I I love when hockey players play multiple sports. It's so tough Absolutely. to go full twelve months on skates. It is right. so. It's bad on your hips. It's bad on your knees if you're not doing it and smartly or in a like um. In a, with the guidance yeah um and it's just I, I think it's just important for like almost your mental health too i feel like it's like I, i've seen it i've seen kids uh when i was working with the junior gamblers when that's triple a hockey program from ages yep. u12 up to u18 there were certain parents who would have their kids be doing about like two to three things a day like multiple multiple times a week and i'd see these kids like i'd, I'd see these kids coming to off ice because i was their strength coach and i'd be like oh you looking tired, man. What's up? He's like, Oh, I had baseball. And then I just skated. And now my dad's making me do this. I'm like, dude, like you're, you're <laughs> go home, like relax. Like I get it. But, um, I, I think it's just social media has got us comparing ourselves so much nowadays that it's like balls to the wall with some of these parents. I yeah. struggle figuring that out, Tash. I mean, it, because that, that's, that's mostly our generation that, that that's teaching that. And we, we never grew up that way. You know, we we oh. we definitely played multiple sports. Sports have changed. I mean, club sports have really changed the focus in a lot of these sports, and, and I'm not always sure for the better. But you know, it, but you're right. Coupled with social media, it's it, it is a different world, and it's it's odd that we're the ones. <laughs> it's under our watch, right? Yeah, and you know, one of the things that I think we lack with youth is the creativity. Um, you maybe I don't know, Danny, but I remember going out and only having four guys to play baseball and you, you got to oh, yeah. hit to the opposite field or you're out and just, you had yeah. to be creative and learn things. And we, we've, we're so structured with youth sports now that I think oh, we're missing God. some of that creativity. Yeah. And I mean, I, I think one thing too is, I mean, I don't know. I mean, obviously you guys, I'm sure you guys experienced this, but when I was a kid, like I didn't grow up really with a phone. I didn't have a phone until I was like, I think like seventh grade, which is still early. But Dude, we didn't even have, have internet. Have, I would have to run through like woods. I would have to run down the street. I'd have to be jumping over rocks to get to my buddy's house. Like, yeah. or to like, see, hey, can you hang out tonight? 
oh, okay, can't, I'm going to just run back to my house. Like, yeah. I'd have to play with a ball like, against the wall with myself. Um, right. I feel like kids aren't really doing that nowadays. It's so easy to just hop on the Xbox and be like, hey, what are you doing right now? Oh, I got like 30 minutes. Let's just play like Fortnite or something. Like, I find myself guilty of that. Like, I, like it's so easy for my buddy to send me like, hey, what are you doing tonight? Nothing? All right, let's game. For like what, what should be an hour, but it ends up being two to three hours. And we're just sitting there like wasting wasting time when i don't know when i was growing up it was literally like i mean i remember playing video games but i remember being outside way more often way more often. absolutely random stuff too like it never never was structured it was just go outside use my imagination i remember like like i would have toy lightsabers i'd imagine like droids were shooting blasters at me and i'd have to like like move my body run around the house because oh we have to go save like some imaginary guy that I'm pretending to save. Like, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I really, I, I, I see that. I don't see that. in like my nephew, like not my nephews, like my cousins, really. Like, I feel like that's sort of getting lost a little bit. Do you think that having that unstructured and just running around and doing things helped you athletically? 100%. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I think there's time for structure. Um, I never really appreciated structure until I got older, but uh, like I, I, I don't expect many kids to, I will say. Right. Um, and that's one thing I actually think about when I'm personal training. So I actually train a good amount of athletes. Like I have a couple yep. Notre Dame hockey players that I train right now. And sometimes you literally just show up with no plan. We just like, I, I will show up with no plan. Just like we'll, we'll have fun. We'll do like, we'll dodge back and forth. I'll throw a tennis ball, have them chase it. Let's just, it doesn't have to be as rigid as we have to do these things. Um, Hey Danny, just to, just to bring everybody up to speed. I mean, we, um, you, you know, you, you're growing up, you're, you're experienced in sports, but currently you're, you know, not only the Appleton United lacrosse boys head coach, but uh, your day job is with 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 the Gamblers uh, along with training uh, folks. Do you, do you have just, you know, I guess maybe just speak to that real quick and yeah. maybe bring people up to speed on 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 what you're doing currently. Well, yeah. So I guess I'll just give a background on like. I want to say my, I guess my professional career uh, as of, uh, as I graduated college. So I went to college hoping to go to pre-med. Um, I actually wanted to be a doctor from about, I was a junior in high school till about senior in high or senior in college. I was full, fully committed. At least I thought I was. Um, but growing up, I was one of those kids who could probably put in like 60% effort, still walk out with 3.8, still do my job, still show up to varsity practice, give like minimal effort, still start still put in bumps still put goals and then still put balls in the net like i was very complacent and uh that's one thing i focus on my guys so just going forward just i'm very i was very complacent so four years of college biology degree um took my mcat actually got a decent enough score to get into a medical school but then had like a mini panic attack this is when i started training myself i started loving my body again started treating it how, how it should have been treated all through college but i fell into drinking fell into um, just, just unhealthy habits and generally speaking, which most college students do. I mean, most of my friends did. Um, that's also the people I surrounded myself with. Um, so afterwards I, I just didn't know what to do. I just knew I loved to train. I knew I could train with my buddies really well. If guys would like could work out with me or I'd bring to the gym where we were like, Danny, like your workouts that you put us through are awesome. So I was like, I could maybe start personal training. I have a biology degree. I'm not. I'm not stupid by any means. I know how the human body works. I know how it can adapt. Like I'm not, I'm very, uh, I'm just very aware of biology and how the human body functions. And I felt, felt that that uh, appropriately translated to personal training. So after college, I moved out to Madison, got a job at a Princeton club. It's pretty nice uh, gym out in a Madison area. 
And that was about 2019. So I got about six months of building a client base and then uh, COVID happened. <laughs> so uh, basically I just had a, I went home, uh, lived with my parents, which I wasn't really a big fan of, but it got, helped me save some money. Um, and after COVID, I, I didn't go back to Madison. I actually, there was, I, I got shot outside my apartment. So my parents kind of wanted me to come back anyways. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so I would I would want me back too. Um, yes. So then my dad kind of re realized uh, what my passion was at that point. So did my family. So he tried to help me out, and uh, part of that was he was the one of the head coaches of the junior gamblers up here, training out of or working out of the community first uh, building. Yep. Mm -hmm. and, uh, they had a head strength coach who was more than willing to have me be his assistant for as long as he was there. I was really looking forward to it. I've never been a strength coach. I was just a personal trainer. Um. So, I, I mean, I did my research. I was working on certifications. Um, and so I, I was well, I was ready for to be an assistant strength coach. But last minute, the head strength coach bailed. My dad tossed me in the fire. He's like, guess what? You're a head strength coach now. You've got all <laughs> about 40 or 50 athletes um, from the ages of 10 to about 17. They're all, your, wow. they're all yours three times a week. Good luck. And, uh, I mean, same thing with this lacrosse job I got this year. Like, I... I, I applied to be the assistant coach, man. I want, I thought yeah. I was assistant, um, but I just got tossed in the fire and I don't know a big, like same thing I told my lacrosse players actually, uh, was it last week, Thursday? Um, I'm a big fan of putting myself in, under pressure because I don't think I'll ever break as stressed out as I, sometimes I get as sometimes as hard as I am on myself. I know at the end of the day, I, I, I'll adapt. I will come out strong. I won't let myself fail. So I, I do tend to put a lot of pressure on myself and it, it's, I mean, it's what's worked or at least that strength, that strength job. And, um, same thing with coaching. Like I just put pressure on myself. Hey, every day you got to get better. This isn't good enough. Like every day, every day I'd come home from work. And even if I was coming out like happy, like I did a good job, I could do better. I, I could always do better. Like I'm, and same thing like every day, I think, and I think I get that from my dad, not that he necessarily, uh, beat down on us but i just remember coming home from sports games it was always gotta do this better you gotta do this better you didn't do this you didn't do this and so i feel like that um and even when i was like mowing the lawn and stuff little little things like that like no you gotta mow it this way or like you gotta pick up leads it's more way faster this way where i just wanted to do it like right just let, me do it. just let me do it so i think that but at the end of the day i think uh i mean it's helped me hold myself to a high standard um, obviously it has its ups and downs, but at the end of the day, it does push me to be a better individual, no matter what I'm doing. Um, it's a great skill to have. It is. I feel like I, I don't see a lot of guys use that wisely. Like I see guys like, um, on our team, like for instance, I don't know if you were at the game. It was the, were you guys both at the Wausau game uh, by chance? I was not. No. It. Okay. Yeah. So one of our polls, I won't mention names, but one of our polls, uh, <laughs> he made a play. 99? <laughs> no, 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 no. Um, one of our LSMs who gets frustrated pretty easily made a mistake and just stopped on the play. And uh, I just told him, get off. And I know he puts a lot of pressure on himself. And I know it was just, he just did it unhealthy. Like he just sat on the sideline and was quiet the rest of the game. So after the game, he comes to me, he said, I'm sorry, coach. I told him like, man, like I, I get it. Like he comes from a privileged family too, where I'm sure the standard is held pretty high. And uh, I mean, I don't know that. I just kind of assumed just because mm -hmm. I know our standard was pretty high. Like, like not that I had to get good grades, but I knew that if I didn't, I was pretty, like, I was pretty when I got home. So, so, uh, right. so uh, 
uh, and there was not really pressure on me. I just knew that I didn't want to disappoint my dad. And I know this kid feels the same. So I told him, I pulled him aside, like, Hey, use, use the pressure you put on yourself wisely. Like keep an even, even head. Like you, if I told him, like, if you ever see me on the sideline, I'm never get too hot. I never really get too cold. I try to stay balanced. And I told him to do the same thing. And I hope he listens, but it's just, uh, yeah, like a lot of guys, I feel like need to learn how to apply pressure on themselves wisely. Like they either put too much on themselves, they don't put enough. Uh, and it's definitely something you, like uh, I've grown up learning how to balance. It's something that you use your whole entire life. It, it, it really, it's a skill. Obviously, you know, I'm old enough to be your dad. So it was Tosh, you know, we, we have a few years <laughs> under our belt, but the, the lessons apply. What, what, what you're talking about right now, I use in my everyday life as well. 100%. It, Absolutely. Hey, I got to ask. So uh, six years of Latin, who takes six years of Latin? Dude, what what so, year are we in right now? Is this 1787 or? Okay. So, so I guess uh, going back to like growing up. So fourth grade, New Jersey, then fifth grade, we move out to Michigan. That's my dad's biggest contract. I think he, I think he pulled 30 million out of that contract. Jeez. Is, yes. I mean, and, and as a kid, like, I mean, we lived in a nice house, New Jersey, but when we moved to Michigan, I was like, whoa, like we, like this was, this, it was pretty sick. Like we got a, I, I, I hate to say we lived in a mansion, but we almost, we borderline like lived in a mansion. Like, and it was, uh, honestly, I was never a fan of it. Obviously it was, it was sick. I took advantage of it as a kid, but it always made me feel insecure having people over wondering, is this person coming over because of my house, because of my dad? Are these people sure. hanging out with my dad? Like I had my mom telling me that sometimes she's like, I, Hey, I know you like this kid, but I have a feeling just from his parents and how they talk to us and how he talks to you that he might just be hanging out with you because he's a, just a big fan of your dad, of, of, of yeah, my husband. And yeah. Right. So something, at least when I grew up with, like, that's always kind of hung over my shoulder a little bit. Um, it's always something I've tried to be aware of. Um, as I got older, I've obviously cared less. Obviously my dad's not irrelevant, but not many people know who my dad is anymore, which is really nice. Right, <laughs> right. It's your time. It's your time now. Yeah, it is exactly. Um, but yeah, so the Latin. Uh, so when he had that big contract, I got to go to uh, arguably one of the best middle schools in the country. Um, it was uh, well, actually one of the best school systems. Period. So they have K through twelve, and it's basically like a college campus of K through twelve. They have a science building. They have a history building. Um, it was, it's called Cranbrook Kingswood. It's, it's a really, uh, really big school in Michigan. Um, so I went there and I went to an all boys school took, so I took Latin from, oh, sorry. So seven years of Latin, seven years of Latin. So from to eighth grade and then ninth to 12th, but ninth to 12th was a joke. I learned more language in the three years of middle school than I learned in the entire four years of uh, high school Latin. It's incredible that you took Latin. I've, you know, we were talking earlier about being history buffs, and I love Thomas Jefferson in that era. And, and, and Thomas Jefferson yeah. insisted that his kids take X amount of years of Latin. So I think you, you could have been a Jefferson, maybe. It was very useful for ACTs, very useful for SATs, and very useful for the MCAT. Nice. All right. Hey, uh, going back, let's talk a little bit about, uh, you know, Obviously, you want to kind of highlight a little bit of the lacrosse side with you. And you say you started playing lacrosse in middle school. What brought you into I lacrosse? Did. Why did that click for you? So last few years, I've lived in New Jersey. Obviously, people like live and breathe lacrosse there. So I, I was passing lacrosse. I never really had a passion for it, but that was like what my neighbors were doing. Like okay. they all had like those wall balls or other wall balls that the rebounders in the back of their, their yards. So obviously, like I see them having one. I got to get one. 
So we then we got one, and I'm getting reps. I was like, I really like this. So year after, I moved to uh, Florida, and then uh, I went to a school where there was about 50 kids per grade. So year one, I'm I'm already on the varsity squad. So I just I had to improve. I had to improve, or I was I was screwed. But um, yeah, I loved it. It was the one sport where I was actually scoring goals because after elementary school, I played goalie in soccer. So I missed putting the ball in the back of the net, and uh, this was my one way to do so. So I loved it. I've always loved like the culture of lacrosse. It's a beautiful. It's such a beautiful sport. So you uh, continue. You said you played soccer. You played uh, lacrosse. Um, you are done with high school and you go to Clemson. Um, yeah. So oh, oh, side note too. I also played one year of golf, one year of football. <laughs> and then I've always like casually played volleyball. That's nice. Again, that goes back to what we talked about the multiple sports and how it makes you a better player in everything you do. And man, really, I, I've, only this, I've only got this body to be able to do this stuff for so long. I'm going to do as much as I can. Absolutely. Yeah. So what was uh what was Clemson like? I mean, I I went to state colleges. Um, what was Clemson like? Just crazy. Dude, it was awesome. Everyone loves Clemson. Like when you're on that campus, you just love that you're there. I mean, all, everyone's like, even guys from up north. Like you go down there, you spend one year there, and you come out with a southern draw. You come out with like a southern attitude. <laughs> you, come out, you come out a little nicer. Um, the culture down in Clemson is phenomenal. Like I still carry some of that culture with me when I coach, when I interact with other people. Um, like one thing that I, like even my buddy who's an assistant coach down in Georgia for lacrosse team, he uses, and I use this, this quote all the time, but best is the standard. Like your best should be the standard. Like, right. and, and you can take that as many ways as you want, but like when you show up, you should be giving your best. Like that should be like expected like that, you know? And, uh, yeah, and again, that goes back to if, if I feel like I didn't give my best, I go back. I got to adjust. I got to I got to do better, you know. So, um, but Clemson was phenomenal. Um, again, but I feel like I I, I was was always complacent until about maybe like four years ago. I just okay. kind of took everything for granted. It was just I was supposed to go to college. Clemson looked cool. Yeah, send me to Clemson. I didn't I didn't care. And that's one thing I, I mean, I didn't disrespect money. I obviously knew we were wealthy. I I like to hide that we were wealthy, but at the same time, I still was like. I didn't really value how um, how much I guess my parents invested into us when it comes to education. Yeah. When it comes when it came to, I didn't realize. I, I mean, I guess until I was on my own, I didn't realize how how expensive it all is and how other people work so hard for the opportunities that I was just pretty much handed, like just straight up handed for getting a three point eight and doing what my parents told me to do. Um, I didn't I didn't excel by any stand by any by any means. I just did what I was supposed to do and. Even throughout college, I just did what I was supposed to do. Like, I don't remember really – I mean, I remember studying, but I don't remember, like, stressing out too much over studying. I just remember doing what I was supposed to do, get the grades I was supposed to get, and that was it. I was supposed to graduate, be totally fine. Um, and that's just not how it works. And it took me – it took me, unfortunately, but I'm glad I learned it. It took me until I graduated to realize that. I, I mean, it could be a mixture of I just didn't challenge myself enough, honestly, at the end of the day. Um, and I really regret that. Like if I go back and do my college experience all over again, I would have challenged myself a lot more. Okay. Um, but that's why I, I, I always, uh, when I talk to my athletes, like don't get complacent. Cause that's the one thing that you'll look back on and be like, I really, like, I really wish I could have put more effort into everything, everything I could have done. I wish I could have put just that much more effort into it. And, uh, not that I would change where I am today, but I think, I think, I think things would be a little bit different if I just put a little bit more effort in, you know? 
Danny, it's called maturity. You got to grow up. You got to <laughs> learn the experiences. It never that same thing that we just talked about. That that stuff just never stops. You know, you 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 can have regrets, but man, you're just learning every every day. Just trying to get better every single day. That's that's all you can really do when you when you go at this life. We've been talking a little bit about kind of all over the place. Um, let's pull in this year. Let's talk about lacrosse this year. You're hired. Um, you know, I know you were looking to be an assistant, and I remember some of the conversations that that they were having. And um, but I remember that first meeting. Uh, you were meeting in my classroom, and you meet all the parents and uh, the players. <laughs> and and uh, I I kind of remember one thing. It was kind of like an excitement that you had this energy that um, that was kind of inf- it was infectious. So how is that something, I mean, I, I see it when I'm t- we're talking with you today as well. Is that something that you've always had, or is that something that is, like you said, with maturity over the last several years has really kind of taken off? I think I've always been excited to be involved, but this is the first time I've really been a true leader, I think. And I was really excited to see how I could do that. And I, I wish, not wish, it was my first year. Um, I... <laughs> I had a good good mixture of confidence and unconfidence. Like there were sometimes I'd show up, oh yeah, I got this. And then I stand in front of the parents. I'm like, oh, well, like what? I got to make sure I say everything right. Like they're all looking at me. Like what do I what do I do? Even at the last meeting when we had our uh, our banquet at um at holidays, like it was the, the difference between when I spoke to them in the start of the year and and that holidays was I could look everyone in the eye. I could kind of like. I could joke. I could kind of relax a little bit. Obviously, I got a little bit excited. I tend to get excited when I talk, but um, it, it was vastly different from when I started. And uh, I definitely the maturity thing. I, I was excited to lead these guys. Like, uh, I don't know. I, I just love sports so much, man. And especially being involved with a group of young men. I feel like growing up, I never had really a young guy I looked up to, and I'm, I'm really excited that I can be that for other guys. Um, like Danny, I'm curious in, in your process when you, so you find out you, you, you're going to be an assistant, but no, you, you're going to be the head coach instead. What, what, what do you do immediately after that, that, that process leading up to the season? I mean, how do you, I guess, how do you turn yourself into a, a head lacrosse coach? What are you reading right. books? Are you studying film? Like what, what, what's your process? So I talked to uh, my buddy, I got, the guy I mentioned in Georgia, he's four year, three or four years older than me, but was one of my best friends in college. He's a really prominent assistant coach. They actually just won states in Georgia this year. Wow. Um, so I obviously talked to him. We would FaceTime maybe like once or twice a week, just <laughs> tell him how, how the practice, like the once a week practices we had on Sundays would go. Basically just things I needed to work on. So like, um, I mean, he would tell me like slide packages. He'd tell me X's nose. I'm still, I'm still getting better at that day by day. Um, that stuff honestly is more challenging to me. Um, not as much anymore, but it was really challenging me to get, to get started. Cause again, I thought about lacrosse in three to four years since I graduated. Um, so again, I didn't really, I had to go from, all right, maybe I just can specialize in like one or two things to help the team out to, all right, we got to know as much as possible. We got to be like every day we got to watch some sort of film. We got to look up some sort of YouTube video involving some sort of drill. Like I got to have, I just got to be ready. I mean, I just wanted to be the coach that I wanted growing up. And that's the same way when I, I train my athletes. Um, I want to be the, the trainer I wish I had. I want to be the uh, a figure I wish I could have looked up to or the person that I could have had an outlet to. Like I was always just a insecure kid 
going about my reps. I didn't have uh, someone who was, I'm not, not to toot my own horn here, but like I work really hard to be in shape, to be like, to be a, like to be an animal. I guess I work really hard to be an animal, man. And uh, I never had that to look up to. Like I, I had my dad, but I didn't really appreciate how much of an animal he was. I got to see him like when I was a kid, I didn't appreciate it. And when I was a high schooler, he was retired. So I was like, this old guy doesn't do squat anymore. Like, right. <laughs> I, I want to ask you about your routine, but just, just your philosophy on coaching is, is something I appreciate as, as a dad, two kids that one played soccer, one played lacrosse, obviously Eric's going through the same thing with, with hockey. And, and we've been around coaches. You see all kinds of youth coaches. Some are better than others. And at the end of the day, the X's and O's come. That's not what's important. It's what you're teaching. It, it's, it's, it's being a mentor, being a role model, teaching these guys. I mean, we all know this. None of these kids are going to be in the PLL or none of these kids are going to be in the NHL. These kids are going to be lucky to play college. You know, there's, there's a handful of them that are playing college. But what's going to be with them forever and what, what I like to see out of a coach and, and hope a coach teaches a kid is just how to be a decent human being. And just to, that's what sports brings out of people that that's what I think. I hope parents grasp to that. I know you and I had talked about parent behavior one night and, and, and things like that. And that's really, I think the message gets lost in, in that because yes, we all want to win. Absolutely. But it's what you just talked about. That's life. 100%. 100. I'm I think one thing that I think I don't know if uh, all the guys can attest, but I think um, I think at, at the end of the year too, one thing that all these guys should know is that Coach Danny loved showing up for us. Coach yeah. Danny loved every practice. Coach Danny loved every win. Coach Danny loved every loss. He just loved being with us. And like, I feel like I don't, I definitely remember the coaches who had that attitude too, where I knew like, oh, Coach is excited to see us today. Like, yes. Like it all starts with coach. Like I know I had my off days. I know I had my off games. Like it, I feel like, a, I mean, as, as a personal trainer sometimes and a coach, sometimes you, you know, you have to fake it. I mean, as anyone in a professional setting, sometimes you got to fake it. Um, but I truly wanted to be there every day. And whether I was in a crap attitude sometimes, which I think was like one or two practices, um, I love being there. And I think those guys knew I love being there. And uh, I hope it. I hope it translated. I mean, that's infectious. I think everybody. I think even the parents. I, I think everybody that was within a mile of the field that you're on felt that energy. Because again, like, how many opportunities do we have left of this at the end of the day? Like, yeah. Like, I'm, this is this. Like, this is the stuff I'm going to remember. I'm not going to remember being on my Xbox when I'm 70 or 60. I'm going to remember all these <laughs> moments with my guys, with the teams I've been a part of, with uh, all the boys I've committed myself to. And I think that's. That's one thing I take pride in as uh, someone who's involved with athletics. Any team I'm part of, those are my guys. Like I look from day one, like day one, even my the gambler guys. Like I remember panicking meeting all those guys because some of these guys are future NHLers, and I'm over here washed up, 25 year old. What like if I was in their position, I wouldn't want to listen to me either. Like I have to right. prove myself. I have to earn that respect. And if I say one wrong thing, especially for those USHL guys, I am screwed. Those I lose that respect so fast. So um, at least with these high, like, same thing with these high school guys. I know, especially with some of the seniors, if I say the wrong thing or if I not go down to their level, but if I like show them, like I'm, I'm one of the boys, not your head coach. Like there's obviously a good balance, but I could lose respect really fast. And uh, that's, as a young coach, I feel like that's part of the game I have to play, but yeah, but yeah, no, every team I'm part of day one, those are my guys. I love those guys. 
I, I will ride or die for my for my team. I have a question for you. So you talk about your guys. What's what's your best take from your team this year? What's one thing that you take away that's at the top of your head that you're like, man, that was that was great. That's something I really really enjoyed from these guys. I can't think of a time we gave up. Okay. I can't think of a time where I was disappointed in our effort. I was maybe disappointed in some of our guys' efforts, but if one guy's effort wasn't there, there was a guy ready and willing to take his spot. And um, and if when we were down, I loved how frustrated the guys would get. Would get like if like holding each other accountable. Like obviously, I I'm not one to yell at my defenders if if they make a mistake, or I'm not one to yell at my guys if like if we can't get a clear. The last thing I want to do is beat down on them because they know they can't get a clear. Like. I was the same way. Like if coach pulled me off and I know that I did something wrong and he tells me what I did wrong. Like, like you're just telling me what I already know, man. Like I would get more pissed. And, and nowadays it's different. I wasn't as mature, obviously, but so I get that. So I'm not going to well, plus the parents have you covered. I mean, they're, they're letting the player know that they screwed up as well. So you're good. <laughs> I don't need to beat down on them more than everyone else is going to, but I love that they would hold each other accountable. Like I'd love. That's awesome they understood that injuries were going on. Like we understand that people might be playing out of position, but from whistle to whistle, these guys fought. And obviously there were quarters where, especially with our numbers, guys would get tired and good teams would let us have it, but we never just took down and let, let teams beat on us. We, okay. we I don't think we ever did. Even Hudson, even that last game, like we let in five goals in the first like three or four minutes, I think it was. And we still, we still kept fighting. We got their coaches panicking a couple times. It was awesome. Or not panicking, but like, getting down on their boys. And that was, that was awesome. So what do you take from this team that you possibly bring uh, to the next team next year? I think the one thing that could improve this team is being a little bit more together, being a bit more unified. I know we're Appleton United, but the, the gap between the seniors and juniors and the younger guys was huge this year. Okay. Um, at least in terms of like communication, in terms of like brotherhood in general, I think in next year, just, bring that more of like togetherness, like where everyone's cheering for each other. It's not just certain players like, um, like for instance, I know some of our younger guys didn't like a couple of our attackmen just because they wouldn't talk to them. Like our, our younger, our younger uh, freshmen and sophomores, just like I could tell it in some of the, the team voting too, that there were certain biases from okay. especially the younger guys. Like where I, where I knew they knew that this player deserved this, this award but they voted them lower anyways, just because they didn't like them. And I think that, that um, going into next year, just doing like maybe just out, out, like off the field activities with the team, it's a little bit more team bonding. I know it's tough from the guys from Wapaka and uh, Jalen from Wild Rose. Yeah. And, but I, I think if we want to be a championship team, which especially with Hudson losing 17 or something seniors, yeah. I mean, it's easy to say it's open right now. We'll see. We'll see when it comes closer to the season. <laughs> but it seems like this this whole state is pretty open right now, to, in my opinion. Um, cool. I think. And I think the one thing that's going to also improve our team, as skill wise, but also as a whole, is just brotherhood. Because I know some guys are obviously super tight with each other, but we need to be that way. Shoot, just just be that way for three months. Be be that right. way. Fake it. Fake it. Not not necessarily fake it, but like. You can love this guy as much, like love this guy for three months and you don't have to think about him afterwards. Exactly. Right? <laughs> and you got a big group coming in. You got like 14 of uh, those, oh, yeah. those 14 U's. You got a, a bunch of 14 year olds coming in as freshmen this coming year. I'm so excited for those guys. I'm so excited to have a full JV team. I mean, 
a, a, and a full varsity team. That'll be so huge for our boys. And I think one thing too, I want to, sorry, my cat's going crazy. Um, <laughs> one thing too, I want more of next year is, um, I mean, I know it's tough with us guys being pulled from all different directions, but uh, just being more unified from the ALC to the Appleton United, like, there was, I mean, I got to, I went to a few games and I saw like guys whose brothers were at games or guys who were refing, but I wish the team would just go to these games or like, I mean, maybe I, I, I should have organized it a little bit more, but get guys together, go, go watch a hockey game, go watch our youth guys play, go watch something as a team, like maybe preseason, we get all oh, yeah. across, go watch the Fox city stars play Appleton United with hockey, like just get the guys <laughs> together as much as possible before the season, you know, WIA next year. It's huge. How does that change? change lacrosse in your mind um i mean at the end of the day we're it's two teams going up going on a field and playing against each other like okay. if there's any other logistics like I, I wouldn't know but they got to hit me with it and i'll adapt on the on the fly again <laughs> um but i mean it's huge other than that it from a like a team culture aspect like like we could bring something to school like year one if like if we really could like put our minds to it like that could be incredible like and i feel like if we can make an impact early and convince all these schools in the area that like people are really liking lacrosse in the area. It could, it could make waves going like years down the line. I mean, I know financial barriers, same thing with hockey, but it seems like hockey culture is just still, regardless of the financial barriers, people are still willing to do anything to get their kids on, on ice. And that's, I feel like one of the big barriers. I know this year, I think just from our team culture, we've actually got some of, some of the football players who are friends with other football players to come out this year. Like I know, uh, I actually, one kid from Appleton North just messaged me today being like, coach, I'm excited to come out next year. I'm like, oh, nice. dude, that's, that's good up. to hear. I mean, that that's the kid that that's, that's been a struggle for the growth of lacrosse here, especially is, is the football players and the football coaches, frankly, buying into lacrosse. It's new to them. They don't understand the sport. They don't trust that, that, that the kids are working hard. Um, but that's not the case. The kids are working hard. It is a real sport and the crossover, in my opinion, especially when it comes to footwork and, and, angles and things like that the translation between football and lacrosse is, is it's identical almost 100 and then like how can you argue with it when you have excuse me coaches like bill bilicek who pull across players right like, right like even in, in our in state people like football coaches would know like win stang of mcquanago or will right. mcdonald on hudson like absolutely some, obviously those are pretty extreme examples but even from our team like our best players are not our, our best defenders and usually our best guys are multi-sport athletes, but the guys who are the most physical are our football players. So those are the guys getting yeah. the ground balls. Those are the guys laying body. Those are the guys playing decent defense for the most part. Right. Right. Yeah. The two, the two sports really translate well. And, you know, I, I don't know how many football coaches are going to listen to this podcast, but I, I would, you know, <laughs> you're losing a golden opportunity that there's room for both sports. Absolutely. No doubt about that. Well, hey, um, Danny, I, I am curious about your, um, your workout. We, we've, you know, it's talked about it. Um, you, you certainly train people, but, but you specifically, you're a warrior, man. You're insane. What, what is a day in the life of, of your, your workout routine? And, and yeah, for those so listeners, I, if you don't have Danny on Instagram, go on Instagram and you can see the serious amount of weight that this guy's throwing. Around. Yeah. It's actually crazy. So like I said, after college, I was kind of doing like, I was just, I just started training, not training, but working out, like doing a classic bro split. You got your push, pull legs three by tens of the classic exercise that anyone when you first go to the gym picks up bench press rows curls squat the, the basics so i did that for a few years got into pretty like i wouldn't say like athletic shape but i had a good good frame i put on a decent amount of uh, muscle 
um, had a successful hypertrophy phase for like three or four years. And then bodybuilding and doing those were just wasn't enough. I needed to be competitive. I wasn't playing sports anymore after uh, co when COVID happened. Um, so I just started grinding, man. I just started lifting. I, and I, when I'm on the field, especially after college, I did not like other people doing better than me. I still don't like people doing better than me. If I see someone in the gym who's doing more than me, it, it still gets me irked. Like I like being the guy, the guy in the gym, whether other people think it or not, I like to think I am. I think we can have you on again at some point, especially once lacrosse season rolls around and uh, start talking about the upcoming season and, and get some more insight. And uh, this is fabulous. This is great getting to know you. Can't wait to get this out. It's late, but I thank you guys. So it's fun talking to you fellas. So uh, now after Danny, uh, we, we move into our next segment. That's the old look at new. And I'm going to go all the way back down to uh, Milwaukee on this one. And um, this time of the month, this end of July, uh, Warren Spahn sets the home run, home run record of 31 home runs by a pitcher. Yeah. Milwaukee Braves. Excellent. Excellent. I love it. Yeah, yeah, before so- my time, but... You hear a little bit on when you're a baseball guy. So, well, no doubt. I mean, we, we know, you know, the generation right before us, we're certainly well aware of those folks. And then they, yeah. they, they talked about Warren Spahn. I remember my dad talking about Warren Spahn. Yeah. Right. One of the all timers for sure. One of the greatest baseball players that played in Wisconsin, and I would say. Now we're never going to see a pitcher's hit again. <laughs> right. Right. No kidding. Right. What, what a difference. Uh, baseball, really all the sports have evolved, but uh, yeah, it was a, different game back then but right he was a special player he, he would have absolutely. been special in this modern age as well yeah absolutely well i'm going to stick with the baseball theme tosh i'm going to move a little bit further south i'm going to go down to chicago the year's 1921 the chicago black Sox. remember those guys <laughs> yeah 1919 black Sox. well it was actually july 18th 1921 the actual trial for the black Sox began uh-huh. Uh, so two years after a year and a half after the fact, they finally got around to the trial. And if I recall, there was a pretty good movie about the 1919 team. Absolutely. I think, uh, John Cusack was in that. Yeah, absolutely. Other people. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, yeah, shoeless Joe always felt bad for right. him. And seems like he got the raw end of the deal. There's another guy that would have been one hell of a ball player in, in any era. Absolutely. Well, that's our take on an old look at new. We appreciate you playing along with us and we'll try to keep digging up some interesting facts hey NoosaCast listeners you can find every episode on apple podcasts spotify or youtube please help us grow by subscribing or sharing the NoosaCast, or follow us on facebook twitter or instagram hey for this week's throwback we were lucky enough to have the amazing legendary casey powell um, Hall of Famer in lacrosse, Syracuse legend, number 22. Uh, he came and uh, was one of the speakers, uh, interviewed by Shane Sparks, which was an incredible interview. Uh, just hearing his story was absolutely amazing. Uh, and Joel, what a great night. I mean, we went and uh, we got to hear Digstown play dead covers for Bill Walton. We drank, drank Spotted Cow with Casey Paul. And uh, just, uh, just, I mean, Great guy, great personality, lots of energy, and um, just a fantastic story. 
to hear how he started in lacrosse and how it just erupted into uh, what well, he one of the became. all-time great lacrosse players, no question about it. And uh, you are correct. He did like the spotted cow. I, I know this is a kid's show, but facts, right, Tosh? He'd like the spotted cow. He did. I'd say one thing about Casey, you know, if, if you um, if you were to open up a dictionary and look up the word stud, pretty sure Casey's picture would be there. Dude's incredible. I mean, he's, first of all, he's one of the greatest lacrosse players ever. His, his whole family, his, his brothers uh, are equal, equally as good. Absolutely. Um, He's starting this, this new uh, this new speed lacrosse. It's making that kind of a, a quicker version of lacrosse, a little smaller field. Just get more people exposed to the sport of lacrosse. He's all about well, he's all about giving back. Very similar to what our mission is with with uh, Noosa and Red Smith. Get back to the youth, give them opportunities, and that's what Casey you know, Casey's doing. You can't forget his amazing company, Powell Lacrosse Company, as well. Absolutely Some fantastic sticks, uh, merch. I mean, you name it, they're doing everything right now. Yeah, he, he really is. I mean, it's a, it's a true lacrosse family, uh, an East Coast lacrosse family. You're right. We're very fortunate to, one, with, with, with these throwbacks. So that's, like we said in one of the earlier podcasts, this is this is really what started this whole thing was these throwbacks. So we get the opportunity to relive April 20, 2022 when we were at uh, Fox City's Convention Center. Um, so we get to sit back. We get to listen to this. And we actually get to view this as well. If you'd go to our YouTube channel, we're, we're moving up in the world, the new Sikass YouTube channel, where this will be, uh, we, we had the curlers last week. That's still up there, uh, the full interview. And we're going to have Casey full interview as well. So sit back and enjoy Casey Powell. Red Smith Sports Awards. Banquet throwback. Red Smith Award, of course, goes to someone who has made some unique contributions to sport in Wisconsin. And also epitomizes the great values that Red Smith exhibited. Let's give a Red Smith welcome. Like to bring on Casey Powell. Won a national title at Syracuse in 1995 as a freshman, two-time NCAA Player of the Year. And we're going to bring him up on the stage and talk some lacrosse. All right. What is it about lacrosse that makes it one of the best sports, in your opinion? Um, for me, growing up, I played all sports. I tried everything. I was uh, always in the schoolyard. I was in the backyard playing, and I played football. I played basketball. I tried wrestling until I got beat by a girl. I said, hey, maybe I'll try something else. Uh, I couldn't skate in hockey, but I love this lo love hockey. But um, it, was, it was a combination of a lot of different sports for me. And uh, when the ball's in your stick, it's a very powerful feeling. You have the freedom to kind of create and do what you want. So there's a lot of artistry involved in the sport. And um, I had a kind of a backyard creative style that I I love to implement and I was able to play for a really long time and I love to compete and uh, and uh, I played professional lacrosse for 18 seasons. I heard a podcast with you. You and I were talking earlier and I thought it was super interesting how you got your start in lacrosse. Everybody's got a story. Yours is, I think, pretty interesting. How you started? Yeah, I grew up in northern New York State near the Canadian border, a small town called Carthage. It was a paper mill town, much like Appleton. My father and his brothers worked in the paper mill. My grandfather worked in the paper mill. And um, we lived in the house in a small village, right in the house right next to the elementary school. And every every single 
gym class, we had a guy named Mr. March. We played dodgeball. Every single class, we played dodgeball. I showed up to fifth grade, and Mr. March wasn't there anymore. And I looked to my left, and all of a sudden, this big, hot shot, 24-year-old guy with, with the bike shorts on, the socks pulled up to his knees. His name was Coach Venti Quattro. He comes walking into the gym, and he's demands attention right away. He was militant, you know, crew cut. And he goes, hey, everybody, I'm Coach Fenty Quattro. You can call me Coach 2-4 or Coach V. He goes, I'll tell you what, one thing we're never, ever going to do again is play dodgeball. And we're like, whoa. And, uh, and we, couldn't, we couldn't believe it. But um, Coach Fenty Quattro quickly became uh, a hero of ours. Uh, if we were playing wiffle ball or if we, we were playing football, he'd be the all-time quarterback, and he'd narrate the games. And he, he made every day feel like a, like a Super Bowl and, uh, or, a, or a World Series or, or a World Championship. He made it feel important. And uh, so we really looked forward to that. And I had two younger brothers in the same elementary school, one in fifth grade, one in third grade, and, and, and one in, in first grade. So we all had the same, same teacher and the same lesson. And uh, one day he brought in a lacrosse stick. And the closest lacrosse is, is there's a lot of lacrosse in Syracuse, which is about 90 miles away. But that was, that was the closest lacrosse. So we'd never been exposed to it before. And um, he brought in a stick. He had never played lacrosse, but he came from uh, called Cortland State University, a, a great physical education school. And um, he gave us a lesson on it, and we were intrigued by it. He told us it was invented by the Native American Indians, and Indians, and it's a combination of a lot of sports in one. And uh, that night at the dinner table, we went home to my dad, and my dad came home from the, the paper mill, and we talked about lacrosse, and we we explained to him what we had learned that day, and and how cool it was to handle this this stick, and what it felt like in our hands, and and we just kind of were kept being intrigued by it. And for the next two weeks, we were we were playing uh, kind of a variation of lacrosse, passing, catching, and ground balls, and. And uh, my dad, who was a big hunter, uh, sold one of his shotguns one day, unbeknownst to us, and came home with three lacrosse sticks. So we were the first three uh, kids in our town to have a stick. And uh, the fact that we lived next door to the elementary school, uh, there, was, there was brick walls everywhere. So we started going and, and throwing the ball up against the wall. And uh, over the course of a couple weeks, a couple friends showed up with sticks and uh, a couple more and a couple more. And uh, we just created this uh, kind of uh, backyard lacrosse game nightly. Uh, my parents would drink beer and, and cook burgers and the neighbors would come over. And, and uh, we would use a picnic table as the goal. And... Uh, we, my dad's bass fishing net. We tie a hole in it to be the, or tie a knot in it to be the, the goalie stick, and and we just uh, playing without really knowing the rules. So for th for three years, uh, we played uh, kind of a just a freelance lacrosse, knowing very little about the game, but just knowing that we enjoyed it and we would compete uh, with each other to see how many times we could catch it off the wall in 60 seconds and see how many catches in a row that our, our myself and my brothers could get, and and we just loved it. Every pair of shorts I had, my mom would create a piece of yarn and put it in one side or the other and we'd have a holster so we'd, like, we'd, we'd slide our stick in and we just we just fell in love with the stick and and fell in love with the sport and it was uh it was coach Fenaquatro that said hey I'm the baseball coach which is a, another spring sport we we're all baseball players too and uh, he said there's a big interest here all my athletes are now wanting to play lacrosse I'm going to become the the lacrosse coach and that's how lacrosse started at our at our school how important was it for you? We're talking mid to late 80s. You got a couple younger brothers, the whole neighborhood's playing. And that was very interesting to me because when I listened to that podcast, you spoke about you guys playing by yourselves. It wasn't orchestrated by parents. You played at love of the game. You guys just figured it out. I think that's kind of lost these days. Take me back to the mid 80s in those times. 
Yeah, I really do. It, it is it is lost, and I know there's some lacrosse players here, and it was great great to meet some of the the next generation of players. But um, as I flew into Appleton today, I saw there's a ton of grass around, and uh, for me, that's a ton of opportunity for the the local lacrosse community to to get better. And and that's where uh, my brothers and I built our passion, and that's where we we fine tuned our game. Um, it wasn't anybody else's dream or vision. Nobody in the town and uh, knew anything about the sport. We just fell in love with it very organically, and and just uh, really enjoyed. Uh, playing catch. Um, still to this day, it's uh, my brother Mike will say, hey, let's go out and have a talk. So we'd always, as brothers, go out and, and just talk and throw the ball around. And, and then when the neighbors showed up, it'd be go time. And, and the, the nightly games would end with a fight or, you know, some sort of celebration. And that's how our, our darkness is basically how the, how the games would end. But uh, we fell in love with it. And your dad was a man of few words. Yeah, he didn't say much. Um, uh, I quickly... You know, when when we did start my first time playing organized lacrosse was eighth grade and then I played varsity ninth grade and four years later um, I was my senior year. Um, I was riding in the back of my car and my mom was our, our hyper hypester and my dad never said anything and and uh, I. I sat in the back seat in the middle and I put my feet up. My brother Mike was over here. My brother Ryan was here. And I'd put my legs up through the middle because I'd worked so hard my legs would cramp up. And I'd tap my dad on the on the shoulder and he looks back and I go, Dad, how'd I do? He goes, not bad. I go, uh, I go, Dad, I just broke the all-time national high school scoring record. And he doesn't say anything and two miles later pulls into Carvel Ice Cream and goes, get whatever you want. Uh, I was like, wow. I was like, yes, Dad's proud of me. So... Today, uh, I equate success to a root beer float. So, <laughs> Did you dream of playing at Syracuse in high school? How did that path shape itself? I did. That was my first exposure. I remember walking into the Carrier Dome for the first time ever. It was in 1998, and there's these two twin brothers from Victoria, Columbia, the Gate brothers, who we feel are the best best ever. They were our idols. They wore the, the same number that I wear, and um, uh, it was just electric. They're they're They're... The, the swagger that they had, the coach was a Hall of Famer, the music was blaring, it was the largest crowd in, in NCAA lacrosse, and I knew from that moment that's where I wanted to be. So I would literally go in the backyard and, and believe that I was Gary Gate. I would mimic all his moves. My brother Ryan was his twin brother, Paul Gate, and my youngest brother Mike would always be the opposing team's goalie, so we'd stick him in there. Do you remember meeting those guys for the first time? I do. It was, uh, it was an interaction um, in the stands. And I uh, got their autograph, and just the eye contact made a huge impact on me. Um, and that's what I've always trying to uh, – that was a big lesson that I learned, that that's what I want to be. I want to be an ambassador of the game, and um, I want to help possibly some other player um, do what I can do or do what I did and, and chase their dream and follow their dream. So that was a really big impact. And still when I, I'm friends with them now today, but they still have that impact on me. What was it like – you're a big hitter coming out of high school. You had that scoring record. Everybody knows about you. Go to a powerhouse in Syracuse. What was it like as a freshman being on that team? Well, I remember I moved to, to Canada to play box lacrosse um, for the summer. I lived with a family in Toronto, Ontario, um, and played box lacrosse, and the Canadians hated me. Uh, I was a hyped-up American. I had, they knew I was on scholarship to, to Syracuse, and, and uh, they kicked the crap out of me. And, uh, but that helped me in the long run. So I got to Syracuse. I was in tip-top condition. I was toughened up. Uh, I fine-tuned my game, and I was ready to go. So uh, I made an impact in the fall. Uh, lacrosse is a spring sport. I made a big impact in 
in the fall. Uh, I was ready to go. I was ready to play. And uh, they gave me the, the Gary Gate number, uh, which is uh, the biggest number at Syracuse. It's like number 44 in, in football uh, at Syracuse. So um, we uh, uh, I started off hot. Um, I led the team in scoring. We went on to win the national championship. So it was uh, it was a dream come true and uh, a lot of, uh, you know, uh, a lot of hard work and effort to, to get there, but it was it was great, and obviously I kind of rolled that out my career. You had so many great moments at Syracuse. Two-time Player of the Year. You win the national title as a freshman. Give me your top three moments that you'll forever remember with that jersey. Um, number one was uh, in 2006. Um, I'm in London, Ontario, playing for Team USA, and uh, it's the 20 best players in the country. And I look to my right, and I see my brother Ryan. I look to my left, and I saw my brother Mike. And that was certainly uh, uh, the greatest moment. Um, we had a huge, huge following, parents, girlfriends, um, cousins we didn't know we had where everybody showed up to uh, to support us but uh that was uh that was definitely the best and then just uh winning a national championship and uh and then watching my brothers uh follow me follow behind me um when i went to syracuse i set the all-time scoring record two years later uh at, when i was out playing professional lacrosse my brother ryan was a senior and with 19 seconds left in the national championship he tied the record and then with uh, four years later, my brother Mike beat it. So we hear that every Thanksgiving from uh, from my brother Mike. So. <laughs> when you look at yourself as an athlete, you had a lot of success. You come in as a freshman, you have all that success. Was there a moment where the, the switch was flipped, where you understood what it truly meant to be great? Or do you feel like you had that when you showed up? Um, no, I didn't. I didn't know. Um, I didn't know uh, how good I was. Um, I didn't know how successful I would be. I didn't. I didn't travel a lot. I grew up in this really small town. I. I remember I had a coach show up at my high school, and he goes, "Hi, hey, Casey. I'm Coach Kyle Runk from Towson." And I had never heard a Towson ex or a Maryland accent before. I'd never met anybody from from Maryland, so we we never traveled, never went on family vacations and stuff like that. So, um, it was just. Uh, just incredible to be able to 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 wear that number and to uh, and to be successful and, and take it where I did. So it was just uh, it was great to see my brothers wear it, and uh, I wore it proudly for several several seasons. If you had to give yourself any advice, knowing what you know now, heading into college, what would that be? Um, I. I, I was pretty ready. I was ready. I um I didn't party in high school. Um, I was uh, uh, dedicated to my craft. I loved to train. I love to work hard. Um, it's still it's still with me to this day, um, and that's what my dad taught me. I watched him every day, put his work boots on and grab his lunch pail, and he'd come back all covered in you know smut and black, and and uh, so he worked hard, and and I appreciated that. And he, my dad always said you know to us use your head so you don't have to use your back and we were the first ones to kind of take lacrosse and use it to to go on to college and we've made our living off it now we own a lacrosse company together and uh it's completely changed our life uh not only myself but my whole family what coaches had the biggest impact on you uh coach Fenequatro, coach coach v and then uh at syracuse uh the greatest man that i've ever met uh his, his name is coach roy simmons who is uh jim brown's roommate and uh, uh, Roy Simmons, the first, was uh, Jim Brown's uh, head coach. And uh, not, lacrosse isn't known by everybody, but every time I'm on an airplane, every time, and I start talking with somebody and they ask me what I do, 
I get the same response. And they say, you know who the best ever is, don't you? And it's Jim Brown. They, that's, so that's the one thing a lot of people know about lacrosse is Jim Brown. And I remember the last time I ever heard that comment was that I came home after a loss, and somebody said, you know who the best ever is? And I go, Jim Brown, I broke all his records. And I, uh, <laughs> I kind of turned. But uh, I, I, I've been very fortunate to, uh, I played on 13 different professional teams. Um, both, there's two professional leagues, so indoor and outdoor. And I've had the fortunate opportunity to play on four national teams. And uh, I've played for the very best coaches uh, to ever coach. So it's, uh, it's, uh, that's what I do now. I, I run a training academy and I coach. And I've taken the lessons I've learned and uh, try to implement it to uh, my coaching style. What was most rewarding in your professional career? Um, I won three major league lacrosse championships, but um, certainly the greatest honor was um, of those 13 professional teams. I was named captain to 11 of them, and uh, it wasn't for it was never for what I said. It was uh, for the way I showed up and the way I represented myself and, and, the, and the will to win and the will to be successful. Um, I went hard as I possibly could every single practice from the start of line drills to the end of practice. And that became part of who I was. And, and people, you know, by the end knew what they were getting when I was stepping on the field. Leroy Butler going into the Hall of Fame. You're in the Hall of Fame. What's that like? Um, it's, it's amazing. I would rather be in the NFL hall of fame, to be honest with you. Um, but, um, yes, both my, my brothers and I are, are, have made it to the hall of fame and, um, I just feel very fortunate and lucky. Um, it's a, it's a very cool and awesome, um, award. Um, but to me, lacrosse is about the relationships and the experiences. So in hindsight, um, all the bus trips, all the locker room, all the friends that I have and, um, all the great, great memories and the great times. So I, I forgot a lot of the games and to me, it's not about the awards. Uh, it's about the, uh, what, what it's done for my life. And you are still super heavily involved. You have a foundation. What do you have going on with that right now? Making an impact. Yeah, when I retired in 2014, they, they did call me Brett Favre because I came out of retirement three times. Um, but uh, I have a foundation called the Casey Powell World Lacrosse Foundation, and we, we support uh, we share support and inspire. Uh, we share the game with other communities and uh, other countries. We support uh, injured and sick lacrosse players, kids going through cancer and spinal cord injuries, and uh, we inspire more kids to play. So I'm heavily active in that. It's my passion. Um, I, I do a lot of hospital visits for, for, for young men, and we create a network of support around families that are going through tough times. And uh, for me, that's more important than anything I've ever done on the lacrosse field. Where's the game at right now? Because just doing some reading, as I said before, I'm not an expert in lacrosse. But you talk about indoor lacrosse, outdoor lacrosse. You invented speed lacrosse. Tell us about that. Um, yeah, there's there's box lacrosse, and um, box lacrosse is much tougher. Uh, it's a it's the Canadian style of the game, and you have to understand that the Canadian these Canadian guys are really pissed off that they didn't make it to the NHL, and they're like, oh shit, I'm gonna make 50 grand now playing box lacrosse. So uh, it's a big difference. So it's it's a much tougher version. But there's a brand new league called the Premier Lacrosse League, um, and it's a uh, it's uh, has a lot of backing, and it's right now it's kind of a NASCAR tour that's uh, sending it around and. Um, uh, trying to continue to gain interest in the sport and, and make it more mainstream. And um, I started speed lacrosse um, uh, as a replica of my backyard. I thought 
you know, in hindsight, that's where my passion and that's where I fine tune my game, as I mentioned before. So I started a three on three version of the game with the, with the dimensions, almost the same size as my backyard. It's 40 yards long and 20 yards wide. And uh, we use a softball. We play it without pads and you can play it in, in snow banks. You can play it on the beach. You can play it on a basketball court. And uh, it's just a, a fun way to get a lot of touches. It's a great workout, and but it's a great way to work on your creativity. And it's a uh, it's you don't have to buy a, a $300 helmet and gloves and sticks unless you buy it from our lacrosse company, Paul Lacrosse. Um, but but it's just a way for, for get more people to, to try the game and sample it. And now that I'm uh, old, older and uh, not playing lacrosse anymore, I, I still play speed lacrosse because it's less physical and I've been beat up enough. Have a good handful of, of young lacrosse players in the audience tonight. What advice would you give to them if you want to be great at lacrosse? If you are 15 years old, what should you be spending your time on? Well, I mentioned it to uh, obviously your, your stick skills are, are the most important and um, you need to build a relationship ship with your stick. And um, when I was inducted to the Hall of Fame, I remember I went back to my hometown and I walked up to my wall and I got a picture taken with me touching the wall. And I wrote a letter to my best friend, the wall and the wall was always there for me. Uh, whether it was raining or snowing, uh, the, the the wall always passed back to me, and um, and that was the truth. So it became I was I was uh, uh, you know really into into training and being better. If I saw my brothers, I'd go out there. But uh, when I, my brother Ryan, um, his senior year, when I walked to pick him up before he tied the record, he um, I went and picked him up. I was and brought him home to uh, for Christmas break. And I walked, hey, Ryan, let's go to Billy's and drink some beers. He goes, no, I'm on a mission. So I went to Billy's and drank some beers. And Ryan, Ryan, Ryan um, you know, I woke up the next morning. I was, hey, mom, where's Ryan? Ryan's outside in, this, in the snow right now. He's running snow banks and playing wall ball. And he went on this absolute mission. And uh, he, you know, throughout Christmas break, every th few times a day, he was doing something to work out, playing basketball, lifting weights uh, outside in the snow. And uh, he gets back to Syracuse. And when you get back in the spring, you have a couple weeks to kind of frog around and get your, you know, get your classes going and, um, you know, meet your friends and all that kind of stuff. Well, Ryan didn't go out. And Ryan started jogging to classes. And Ryan started going on the turf. His buddies would get back from the bar. And uh, they'd see him out under the lights or running stairs in the carrier dome. And after a few days, the team talked about it. And they said, you know, hey, uh, you know, Ryan's on a mission. He's our, he's our team captain. Let's stop partying. Let's stop going out. And um, fast forward you know, uh, to Memorial Day weekend, as you talked about, with 19 seconds left, he, he tied the record. And, and um, so my advice is, if you want to be successful, you got to go on a mission. You have to sacrifice and you have to dedicate everything to uh, what you believe in and, and where you want to go and what you want to do. Any regrets? Um, one regret I have is my, my final college game. Um, my coach, Simmons, who was my hero, um, I scored a goal in every single game um, except the last one. And we lost 10 to 9, and Princeton went on to win the national championship. The reason um, I melted down is he told me, and only me, before the game that he was going to retire after this Final Four. And that day, um, it made me realize that it's not about the sport. And I was sad. And I played that game sad. And I didn't care as much about the game for once. So my regret is I wish I could have won Coach Simmons his seventh national championship. You're a father now. You have a daughter, Belle, I believe, 15 years old. And in the spirit of this banquet, I want to ask you what your philosophy is. I mean, you're one of the all-time greats. How do you parents 
You're a young daughter who plays the sport. Well, during uh, just a, great, a quick little story about Bella, uh, during the 2006 World Championships, my wife at the time was pregnant. And um, she was up in Canada with us, with the, with the whole posse, and we were playing against Team Japan. And I looked over on the sidelines, and my brother's girlfriends were waving me, and I knew what that meant. So during the middle of the game, I jumped the fence and hopped in the car with them, and Bella was born in Canada um, during the World Championships. Uh, so that was really cool. She's grown up. Um, I pulled her out of my bags. I used to play box lacrosse in Madison Square Garden. She'd, I'd pull her out uh, on, on the back of my bag. She's been to so many games. She's traveled to all the countries I've played in. But I never forced it upon her because um, my parents never forced it on me, and I liked that. It, be, it was allowed to be my thing. And uh, finally, the past couple couple years she's really picked up the sport and gotten back into it so um, for me it's allow her to find her own passion and then pursue it and, and as soon as she has that and then I try to give her all the tools to be as, as successful as possible so gotta have the passion. Last question for you Casey how do you want to be remembered? Um, I want to re be remembered as a lacrosse ambassador. That's what I've uh, uh, I've done. Lacrosse has made such a hu huge impact on my life, my family's life. Uh, it's opened up an entire new world to to uh, the entire Powell family. Um, so I try to pass that along, and I want to be remembered as a guy who's made an impact and, and got more people to play the game, and and uh, and hopefully those kids will go on and, and make a big impact. Fantastic! Thanks so much, Casey Powell, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks for listening to the NoosaCast. We appreciate your support. If you haven't yet subscribed, please do so and tell a friend. A huge thanks to Digstown for all the music in today's episode. Catch a gig or find them on Spotify. Northeastern Wisconsin Sports Advancement is a 501c3 organization. Our mission is to raise money, provide support, and create awareness for youth sports organizations in Northeastern Wisconsin. We do this primarily through the Red Smith Sports Award Banquet and the NoosaCast. Each year, we give back to the community through three initiatives, the Every Kid Plays, the Gives Back Initiative, and scholarships to student athletes. 